From downtown, this is Tim Kitsa from NBA Jam, and you're listening to Nintendo Main Podcast. Boom shakalaka! This week on Nintendo Main, we have Greg Caldwell here from Retrotainment to talk about Full Quiet. PS5 is back in rotation, y'all. How many hours can I ring out of gimmick? Nintendo Main Podcast, episode 379, your place to hear Nintendo fans talk about all of the good NES stuff that's coming to the Switch. And we are your hosts. I'm Trey, building my purple army to acquire the Doomsday Apparatus, Johnson. I'm Jeremy Papatak Mikowski. And I'm John Strange Memories of Death Knitter. <laughs> and uh, this week we have Greg Caldwell here from Retrotainment to talk to us about Full Quiet. I don't remember. We, we talked to you before a long time ago, like for a Halloween episode, and we might have talked to you. I don't know if we talked to you at MGC or not. We've been there. I remember talking about Full Quiet like way back then. Yeah. Yeah. Full Quiet was kind of a, was definitely like something that I was always interested in. And I feel like we, we might have talked about it as far back as like 2017, 2017. or something like that. Yeah. And it's been like this, you know, this legendary game that we've never played before and or I hadn't played before. And now it's on Switch, which is really exciting. So uh, tell the listeners what what full quiet is uh yeah so it's a mystery adventure game uh that's basically what we've been calling it it's sort of mashes up a bunch of different ideas together uh to try to we were trying to create a unique experience for the nes something that um we hadn't seen before and something that um we thought wasn't really out there in the world uh something that people could really kind of sink their teeth into you know we knew it wasn't going to be for everyone it's not just run jump shoot but it's it's something that I think people are, at least some people are definitely interested in. And, and like you guys said, we sort of uh, back in 2017, 2018, when we were doing like MGC in Portland, uh, we were getting a lot of good feedback from people. So that sort of motive, motivated us to keep keep going like we were on the right path. Yeah, definitely. It's um, and did, did you work you worked on uh, on the Haunted Halloween games, too, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. I think we, I'm pretty sure we've talked to you about that before. And I know like, um, which, what is it? 86 that's on, there's one of them that's on switch. That's 86. Yeah. It's 86. Yeah, 86. Okay. So, so you, so you have had some, you've had some stuff on there before and this, and uh full quiet, this is an, this is an NES game, right? It's like, it plays on the NES. 100%. Yep. Okay. That's very cool. Is there, I was just curious cause I've only been playing it on switch and the switch has like four buttons. Is there a, is there a different way to play it on um, on the NES? Because I know, like, is there a different way to do like the jump, like the jump roll, or like the re, or like the reload, or like the different things that are that you use for like X and Y on the NES mode? Yeah. So everything starts off with your basic controls for your standard NES controller. Everything that you can do on the Switch, you can also do just with a basic NES controller. Uh, but we also <clears throat> included a feature where you could plug in an original NES SNES controller through an adapter. And then you could utilize the different buttons of the SNES controller. So then we were able to map those buttons to the buttons that are on the Switch and on the Xbox. Okay. 
So so you can play the you can play the NES game with the Super Nintendo controller or only on the Switch? Yeah. No, no, no. You can you can play on your original NES with an SNES controller through an adapter. I think Rafnet makes them. Oh, wow. There's one other place that makes them. But yeah, it's 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 uh it's pretty fun and it, and definitely with a game like Full Quiet, it's nice to be able to utilize uh, the, the other buttons that are available to you. Okay. Oh yeah. I'm wondering what was so, sort of the uh, the initial inspiration for the game. Uh, you know, full disclosure for me, I'm the only one on the show who hasn't actually tried it yet. But oh. it seems to me like uh like a, a survival horror game on the NES, which is just an unusual proposition. There weren't many, if, if, if any, survival horror games on the NES. So is that like part of the challenge? Can we do this on the NES? Yeah, def- definitely was part of the challenge. We've always been reluctant to say survival horror, to classify it as like a traditional survival horror because everyone's brains immediately goes to Resident Evil, yeah. Silent Hill, first-person perspective, you know, um, or third-person, whatever that is. Uh, but... But the so we we were kind of reluctant to to say that because we didn't want people to think that this was going to be some crazy sort of first person perspective game. But we definitely wanted there to be elements of survival horror games built into this to at least give off the vibe of a survival horror game. I have definitely run into some uh, some scary stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, I really I really like this game. I've been looking forward to it for a long time and. Uh... Thanks again for being on the show. Um, yeah, it's hard. I will say it's hard. Like it's it's got that old school NES difficulty, but not in a cheap way. Yeah, that's we knew it was going to be challenging, and we knew it was going to be challenging in a lot of different ways. Like not just challenging with combat, but challenging uh, your navigation skills, challenging your puzzle solving skills. Um, like I said, for some people that's that's not their thing, and you know we get that, but. For other people, it's something that's, like I said, was part of what made it um, a unique experience, something that challenged players in, in different ways. And we definitely wanted it to be challenging for the NES community that has some crazy hardcore gamers in it. So we try to strike this little bit of a balance between making games for the NES community and games that can be playable by a broader audience. Obviously, modern gamers have different expectations when it comes to difficulty levels, but this is not, we're, we're not holding your hand. You know, we're not coddling modern gamers. And we know that turns some people off, uh, but it does give people who are looking for that challenge, it, it gives them those moments, those fist pumping moments, those aha moments that you can't get unless you, you struggle with it. I actually compared to a lot of the NES stuff that I played and, and definitely like the eight bit legit stuff that we've got for this game. This game seems uh more approachable than most. You know, a lot of, a lot of those are uh, the other ones I played are kind of more like the Mega Man where it's like really just kick your ass right from the beginning and I feel like this one's a little bit more for me it was easier to get into. Also you can get health items and stuff like that that yeah. will heal you. You know, it's not like it's not out to kill you like in a couple seconds, like a lot of the other NES hard games are. So you can save. That's important. And you can save also, which is yeah, super super important. And I'd yeah. say this. I'd say the save points do have a bit of a Resident Evil feel to them, and that I've only made it to one uh, so far. But it, you know, making it to that was just like, oh my god, I could finally save, and I could like you know just take it easy for a second because I was kind of lost at the time, so I didn't really know what I was doing. So once I got that, that's what I, I had my little aha moment of, all right, I think I, I think I get this game. I think I know what I need to do now. And, and I've made a little more progress, but that was one of the most relieving parts I'd say so far. Yeah. There's, there's definitely the like pressure and then release pressure and then release. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you know it's difficult sort of balancing that and, and with it being open world the way that it is there's no way that we can fully regulate that it's it's up to the player to to figure things out and to get different places but there's definitely that's that's the, probably the the best strategy is like find the next camp and then branch out from there it's then start exploring a little bit so you don't have to venture too far from that camp you know if you make progress you find a a clue you 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 find a, a weapon or a health upgrade or something like that you can you know how to get back to camp and save some people will approach the game like that and they'll be more cautious other people are just like fuck it i'm going i'm going balls to the wall, and i'm, I'm just going to try to just blow right through this i i, I got to, i got to the second save point on on mine and uh and I've and I keep and I'll like try it from there and then I'll get get like farther and farther and I still like die before I get the next save point. So I don't really I haven't done the like where you go all the way out and try to try to come all the way back. Which I think it's kind of difficult because all of the all of the guys will come back, so you have to fight them all over again. But I, but I do I do really like that like your base gun doesn't run out of bullets. Like that's yeah that's always something that's really really helpful. Like uh, I wish more more games had that. Like you know because a lot of times in the Resident Evil games you completely run out of bullets and then you just have a knife and you just have no chance against whatever. Yeah. I know that's considered to be like part of the survival horror thing, like like uh conserving ammo and stuff like that, but also it can be really annoying too. Like I you should just have a regular base weapon that just doesn't run out of bullets. As a team we discussed that at length, like are we gonna try to do that? Basically take away the, the pistol, the main gun, and have some sort of like melee or something mm. like that. It just didn't feel right. Um it felt too punishing and we were also up against um sprite tile limitations so we were going to have to build in animations for this guy to like somehow have a knife and, and stab things or like fight them or whatever it just seemed uh like all signs were pointing to no just just give them infinite ammo on the base gun and then they can do ammo management for the for the bigger weapons and also i think it also kind of reminds you like it kind of increases the you know whatever the fear you know the the tension of the game because you are very weak compared to the enemies. Like you gotta, you have to keep your distance. You can't just go up and stab them with a knife. Like you would die if you tried to do that. Yeah. You know? So that, I really like that. And I also want to say, just seeing like the muzzle flash, but no like projectile coming out is really nice. It really, it I don't know, it makes it seem more realistic to me. Yeah, that was actually the idea of our programmer, uh, Damien. He wanted to do something like that. He basically said, you know, can I give this a shot and we'll see how mm-hmm. it how it works and so it, it, in early testing we thought yeah this is this is great and then we built the animations around it yeah it's definitely unique you don't see like a big giant bullet going slowly across <laughs> the screen like in the nes game kind of take you out of the moment yeah, yeah. It, it feels so much quicker too like that like yeah it looks yeah. like it feels like you're like yeah like bullets know. move fast yeah yeah i don't know you know makes it makes it i'm wondering cooler. speaking of limitations i mean i know you must have run into limitations building an open world game for the nes like what specific challenges were there bringing an open world game to the NES? Yeah, t- tons of limitations all over the place. Some of them self-imposed. Like we made some decisions early on when we built the engine. Like, okay, we're going to have this many puzzles, this many switches, this many upgrades, you know, commit this many tiles to sprites and whatnot. So once we made a lot of those decisions, we kind of had to live with them. Um, but it was definitely a, a challenge to be able to, help the player through the open world, even just a little bit, um, because we didn't have a bunch of a bunch of modern techniques available to us or the space to like show a bunch of uh, like, um, what would it be like, like cut scenes, right? Where we mm-hmm. could sort of 
do a bunch of stuff through some nice cutscenes. There just wasn't space for all of that. Not to be able to fit the world, the size that it is, into the 512K and still be able to do a bunch of stuff like that. So there's just so much reuse of everything in the game, which then adds more complications later in the development process. When you want to make a minor tweak, there's going to be these cascading effects downstream that you don't expect. Like, oh yeah, this is tied to this, it's tied to this, it's tied to this. And then you end up breaking things that you, you know, you didn't expect. Even like the opening scene is it's pap that you're looking at, like the the not the playable character, not the hero character, but it's the same exact sprite. We just have to color it differently so that it looks like something else. Color the backgrounds differently so that it sort of gives a different feel like it's a flashback or something like that. So just all over the place, you know, reuse as, as much as you can. So using like uh, the, the engine of the game to create a cutscene, I guess I kind of maybe this might just be kind of a dumb question. but Real, real-time cutscene. <laughs> does that take up a lot of space when you like have like, I guess it'd be like considered like an attract mode almost, but it's the, if you did the all the scenes like that is what I'm asking. Is that could you do a lot of scenes like that, or is that the only one? Is what I'm asking. We could. It is. It is like a track mode. Yeah, we basically have to map out each step that the okay. character takes. So it's it's more efficient than than drawing a whole new background where we could reuse the background and reuse the character in that way. But it's still choose through space. You know, every line mm-hmm. of dialogue choose through space and like at the end we're literally counting bytes so it's like everything that you do okay each byte or each character is, is four bytes or whatever that we're, that we're putting in at the end and we're literally like counting them we're da- every bank is down to you know razor thin margins and it's just gets kind of crazy especially when you get to late in the dev process I, I just wanted to say the um, the game looks incredible. Like the uh, like just the the layers that you do, like in the foreground and the background, just moving it around and like the way the grass moves and stuff. I was pretty blown away. Like I think it's one of the best looking NES games I've seen. Like uh, no. it, it, oh, absolutely! It reminds it's... me of uh, like there's a game Batman Return of the Joker, which I thought was like the best looking NES game when I was a kid. It's, it it reminds absolutely. me of that, but it does even more. Like it has more layers, and there's even like the part where you can walk in the grass. And it kind of covers you, and it's. I'm just saying it's really impressive. So I'm sure you. There was a lot of challenges with that. I'm sure, like doing the doing the layering and that type of thing. Yeah, for sure. It's and to try to make it feel like a three dimensional game. That was a, a big part of it. To have stuff in the foreground that made it feel like the camera was sort of uh, behind a little hillside or something like that, and then things in the background that. You have to pay attention to like, oh, there, there's the well. I see it north of me, so I need to loop around and go up, up north to the well. So yeah, that was definitely like a, a challenge, but that was one of my favorite parts about the game because uh, doing those parallaxing splits, uh, like, like we're saying, Trey, like in uh, Return of the Joker, they're so amazing in there, and we wanted to sort of live up to that standard to be like, okay, can we, you know, can we rival what what they're doing? Yeah, I thought that game looked like a Super Nintendo game when I first played it when I was a kid. I was like, was that was that was Sunsoft like, oh as well, or was that a different Return of the Joker? I, I think that was I think that was Sunsoft. I don't know. Was it? it was a late. I mean, it was a late NES game. Yeah, um, I, I was going to say like the. I'm, I'm sure you haven't got there yet, Jeremy. But there's a part in the game where you like get like a telescope and you can kind of like look at stuff like with like sort yeah. of like a spotlight, and that looks really really cool too on it. Like just the way it moves okay. around. Like spit. Like I just thought of that when you were talking about like how you can kind of see things in the background. And see how it relates to it, like within the map and all that. 
there's you get you get a thing and there'll be like these stands that you can put it on and you can kind of look at stuff and like the way that moves around like that's that's really cool too like it's really like oh wow that that looks nice and that's another example where we had to reuse a lot of stuff we had initially planned to have a couple different uh scope views where it was all new background specifically for the scope views but as we were running out of space we said okay we've got to scrap that idea and just reuse backgrounds from other parts of the game that you they feel different because you're just seeing it through that scope you know through Mm -hmm. that that circle there um so it sort of feels new but it's just it's just almost all reused stuff yeah i mean it looks nice but yeah it does it does that same sort of thing where it's like oh i need to get over there obviously or that's something i need to get to and it kind of helps you I was I, I was impressed that it had a map, you know, because there was there there are oh, very yeah, few yeah. there are very few games of that of that time that had a map that you could just go to and just has like flags where it's like okay go here go here that sort of thing. I will say the navigation is actually pretty fun in it because like you know you were just saying like you see something to your north so you go up. Well, once you go up, it you know it's a side scroller so you're going left or right again, but it shows you on the bottom like you're going north now like it kind of has an arrow with an end pointing to the right i really like that i like that it's always keeping me oriented because i would probably get lost if those little visual cues weren't there so it really does kind of help you map out a three-dimensional space in your head even though it's a 2d game yeah that, that was definitely a big thing early on that we were testing at conventions like can people follow this because we knew we were taking a risk making a 3d game completely in 2d views so knowing you're like with, without somebody just memorizing the, the map in their head like if we didn't have a map in this game i think it would basically be unfair un- unplayable it's already hard enough like not having a map would have been just oh yeah for sure like uh i'm very happy the map is there actually i didn't really i didn't think about that like what jeremy was saying i didn't notice the the direction that you're going because i got a little confused by the map as well but i but i was happy it was there but now knowing that it'll it should should help me out on that for sure is there uh is there like a lot of is there anything that like people like miss like when they first go into it or like something you could be like hey here's a couple things you should know before you start playing the game like like for that sort of thing um i think the well, the number one thing that I think people don't get at first is the dive that, that you can dive past enemies. Uh, that start is the default dive button. You know, I've obviously, aside from Punch Out, I'm not sure what other games you start as as a button in game. But um, that's something that we knew. Like we were initially going to use select, but it felt too clunky, and we didn't want the player to have to pull their thumb off of the D pad in order to hit oh, select. I so it was just easier to use start, even though it was a little bit more counterintuitive. Um, it just felt more natural to just slide your thumb over to start and your right thumb over to start instead of your left thumb over to select. So that's that's one of the key things, and that you can dive past enemies. Like there's a little bit of a of a, a window where you're not vulnerable, or, or yeah, where you're invulnerable and you can't be hit by enemies. So you can use that if something's like diving at you or getting close, it's sort of like a bailout. You can hit start and you'll dive past a lot of the smaller enemies. And that's a good way, like if you can sort of get used to that early on, it's a good way to, to not take damage and to cover more ground quickly. Uh, like, like you guys were saying, like if, if you're backtracking and it's sort of like there's, there's a good bit of backtracking in the game, you can cover ground quickly and you don't even have to engage with the enemies at that point. So once you sort of learn their timing, just dive past them. So that's yeah, that's a bit more of like a uh, a Dark Souls or even like a 
Zelda's got a bit of a thing like Breath of the Wild where you can like dive. But, but I like, no, I like that. So it's, wait, I'm thinking of Monster Hunter as well because it's also got the role. Like, what do they call those iframes? Or I think that's like the phrase they use in uh, Monster Hunter when you do the dive and you have the moments of invulnerability during it. And uh, people exploit those as much as possible. So yeah, that's present here in an NES game. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, that, that's there. It's definitely something, like I said, that's a little bit counterintuitive, but I, but you can see it like when we were watching playtesters, once they get it, it, it really just sort of becomes second nature. I actually haven't really tried the dive. I need to. Oh, yeah, no. I, I mean, you, I don't know if I was... I'm sure I was doing it right, but there's you get to a part where there's kind of like little gas bubbles that like come up off the ground, mm-hmm. and I think yeah. the only way to get past them is the dive, or at least that's the only way I was able to get past them without getting hit. You know, I so. jump over them. Yeah, you can jump over them, but you certainly can't shoot them. So nope. the easiest way is just to to dive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt like the dive was was very important. That's why I was asking her, like I was curious how you would do it like with just an NES controller. Cause I was like, all right, well there's, you obviously need more than two buttons here. So where would it, where would it be? So I guess, yeah, you would use it on, on start and then you'd use select to get to your map and to your, into your items and that sort of thing. Yep. And then I found like L and R were kind of like L was kind of up, right? So it was like, it was kind of mimicking, like holding up for you that way. It was a little easier to grab onto platforms and stuff. Well, the L and R default, uh, I mean, you can fully remap them in the options menu. But I guess I, I primarily use L and R for uh, switching to the next weapon and for crouching, like hold position, okay. which is another thing that um, is a little bit counterintuitive. But that once people start to get, they, they I see them utilize it. Um, on an NES, you have to double tap down twice to crouch and hold position. Then you can aim in eight directions. But on the, using a, on the modern consoles or using an SNES controller, you could set that to like R and then hold R, your left thumb can be using the D-pads, you can aim all around, and then your right thumb is is the trigger. So that ends up, again, it's a little it's a little weird, and you're thinking, well, I'm playing an NES game, how I'm not used to hitting all these buttons. But like anything, if you do it a couple of times, uh, it should become kind of intuitive. Yeah, no, I I did I didn't know that you would that you could do that with the L and R, but yeah, no, I did I did kind of figure I was doing the the down tap, but yeah, it does it is really really cool, like where you can kind of just like position yourself and yeah, you can aim all around without moving, and it really helps when you get to like the flying enemies later. I, I felt like it like it really helped yeah. you to shoot them at an angle before before they get to you and all that. Yeah, and that pairs with the diving because basically if you learn that those two techniques to, to do do the whole position you can shoot in eight directions and then if something anything gets close to you you just dive you'll stay in that crouch position so you don't have to retap double double tap down again to crouch again you'll just stay in it and you can just keep shooting and diving and shooting and diving and you're I mean you're not invincible at that point but it's really hard for anything to actually get you because you can just dive through all the smaller enemies. I, th- I think the thing that I've had the the biggest uh, struggle with is the um, is the hacking mini games. Like those have been the ones that have that been killing me more than anything else. Because if you don't like hack it in a certain amount of time, it takes some of your life away. But there are ones where you can where you can use like a where there's like a hard item on there, and if it and if it runs through the heart, you'll get you'll get your life back. But those but those can be kind of tricky. That was it's actually like, uh, some of the ones that I've died on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a little homage to Pipe Dream. Kind of reminded me of like a Bioshock too. Like they had like hacking games in Bioshock One, like that. Yeah, there's a lot of games that have some those little things, but I like it here. I think it it fits the aesthetic of the you know being an NES game. Like it's kind of cool. It's Pipe Dreams, I think. 
Yeah, Bioshock's a little too modern for me, so I, I like to <laughs> say it's a pipe dream. It's very similar. I mean, you could you could say that Bioshock took took the hacking mechanic from you from uh, from Full Quiet. That's that's where that's where they got it. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. We like that. <laughs> the easiest trick, sorry, real quick. The the main things with that with the hacking puzzle is to you could just burn pieces by setting them down over top of each other over and over again until you get the piece that you want. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't think about it that. Helps, it helps you cycle through the pieces more quickly, and then you can rotate them to fit. Um, to whatever angle you need them to take. So I haven't figured out how to rotate them. Is that start as well? I think it's X or Y, right? Okay. Yeah, I forget what the defaults are. I mean, on the NES, it's just B, but um, I think it's X on uh, Switch. Okay. It's diff- Switch and Xbox are different, so it's hard for me to remember which is which right now. It's the top of my head. No, I think it's fair to say to the listeners that this there is like a manual you can look at and stuff. It's not like all the controls are pretty well defined there. I think I just, we're not really referencing it, but yeah, it's kind of cool to have the developer on to just tell us what to do. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, that's all. That's always yeah. something I want to ask whenever this developer, because I feel, I always feel like every game there's always like, you know, there's like, well, there's one thing, you know, you see them, you see articles about it all the time where it's like, here's the five things that you should know about blah, about whatever game, you know, I always ask people who play the game, like, you know, what is, what is one thing you wish you would have known at the beginning that you found out later? Like, like that sort of thing, like, like tips. And, uh, and with the press release, we actually got a really cool, like, guide that came with it that kind of took us through took you through like the very first beginning it takes you like to the first save point and then it's kind of like all right so you did this now you're on your own it, it kind of reminds me of like some of the old manuals like or like dragon quest one i think did that where it like took you through like the first chapter or whatever or told you what to do yeah yeah it was sort of we knew it was going to be difficult for reviewers who have very limited time to be able to dig into this they couldn't be spending two hours playing around so basically we were like Tim and I talked about it and we were like, yeah, let's just walk them through the first area, getting getting through to the first save point, and then at that point they can dig in as much as they want. Did did you did you figure out the Morse code, Jeremy, in the in the first save point? Did you did you catch that? I wasn't sure if you would if you figure out what, uh, what to do I, with the radio. I saw because so even the title, you know, not to ruin anything for anybody. I don't know, whatever. It's right there on the, the uh, main screen, but it shows full quiet written out in Morse code. So um, I know that there's a way to do that, but I haven't done it yet. I guess I haven't gotten around to it, to translating the Morse code myself, but I did tune the radio to the Morse code channel. Oh, okay. That, that, that's, that's what I mean. Like if you figured that oh, out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I figured that out. I didn't know if you meant like if I had actually like tried to interpret some of the Morse code, like. Oh yeah. No, I haven't done that, that yet. Cause yeah. And that save point you, uh, you know, that you have to find the Morse code channel and then it opens another door and then that opens another door yep. and then you go to the, then you go to the next thing. I didn't figure it out. And it, it, it is cool, though. It's pretty intuitive because you use the control pad to, like, rotate the dial on the radio on the radio to find the right station that has the that has the channel on there. There was there, what was it? Um, I forget what it was called. There was a newer there was a new like survival horror game that just came out last year that was kind of referenced Resident Evil. And there were parts in that game that did that. Then I was like, well, I was like, well, full, 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 quiet, full quiet came out way before, but it's a similar thing where you have to dial the radio station to find a specific tone or a specific like. Didn't uh, um, Oxenfree do something like that as well? Oxenfree did something like that, yeah. But it was more about finding like a shape. It wasn't about finding like a. Yeah, you were like tuning into a radio station. But it was like a creating a shape, yep. yeah. Yep, yep. I'm wondering, like, so you've developed this this NES game in the modern era. What, what were some of the advantages that you have over the? the programmers back in the day? Uh, I guess just having like 
30 years of gaming history to sort of refer to, um, you know, how did other people solve certain issues, efficiencies, maybe in, in coding. Uh, the NestDev Forum is, is a great resource for anybody that wants to get into this stuff. I'm sure your viewers know about it, but the, like the NestDev Discord, everybody is super helpful. If we ever get stuck on anything, oh, any ideas or like how, how could you code this out more efficiently? So I think that's a, a huge part of it is that the community has obviously come together and created these repositories of, of amazing information about how to approach things and how, or just how to specifically code it out. So I definitely think that's a huge advantage uh, that, that we have right now. Otherwise, I'm, I'm not too sure. We didn't really, one of the main things we've kept saying to ourselves like, throughout the development process was that we're, we don't want to say, oh, this game does this or do it like that game or something like that. We were constantly like trying not to refer to other games when we were trying to come up with this stuff. So we sort of intentionally, maybe we made it harder on ourselves than we needed to, but that was part of where we said, like, we'll be able to create a little bit more unique experience if we just think about this game sort of in a vacuum. What does it need? How can we go about solving these things? So um, maybe we did ourselves a little bit of a, of a disservice in, in that regard. But again, yeah, to answer your question, I think the, the biggest thing is thinking about, like, how certain modern games have handled situations, even, like, aiming diagonally. It's one of the things you can uh, remap to the L or R buttons, which is pulled directly from Super Metroid. Oh, yeah, so yeah. It, that's the sort of sort of thing that we could look back at and say, well, that was perfect. Let's just do that. The uh, pressing pressing L or R to uh, to automatically like anchor yourself, That's that reminds me of uh, Contra 3 on Super Nintendo, where you had, I think you could hold you could hold the L, the L button and it would stop you from moving and you could aim like in all in all eight directions, so. Similar to that as well. What was that game on Super Nintendo that you really like? Blackthorn. Didn't it kind of do the same thing where it was just a muzzle flash for the gun, but it didn't show like a projectile? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It it, it didn't. It was and and when you and what was cool about that game is when you upgrade your weapons, the like explosion gets bigger when it hits the guy. So like that's how you know that your gun is stronger or whatever. That was yeah. That was one of my favorite games. I've talked about it a million times on here, but it was a. I love the shit out of that game when I was. It's on Switch. It is on Switch now. Yeah, on the Blizzard arcade arcade collection. I played through it again too. the The game I was trying to think of was a Signalis. That was like a new modern survival horror thing that came out last year. But some of the stuff I was seeing Full Quiet that came out much earlier remind like it reminds me of that. Like same sort of thing with using the radio station, like using the radio to pick up certain fre- uh, certain frequencies, or you know, have them in different um, puzzles and whatnot. Now, do you have to? This is kind of a game-based question, but do you have to memorize like Morse code stuff in the game to use? Because because I I found a Morse code thing where you could put it where you could type in stuff. Should I have like memorized the thing from the cabin before? <laughs> that's that's just a gameplay question. <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah. The pattern is what you want to memorize. You don't have to be able to translate Morse code. Oh okay. Um, don't have to know what it means, um, but you do have to be able to echo back what you're hearing. Okay. Dot dash dot dash dot dash. Yeah, Something and like and there, and there's not there's not a whole lot of it, like I was trying to just look around the internet. There wasn't a whole lot of info on this game, which is cool too because it you know that it can kind of cut out like when you get stuck and you want to look online or whatever. There's less people doing it, so you, so, you, so it for forces now. forces you to play it, you know, because I want you know that's that's what I, I want for it. It being on Steam, you're probably going to see a lot more people helping each other out. And that's, Start, you know, yeah, the forum's kind of built in there. Now for sure. 
but the, definitely that was one of the things that, that people have actually like written to us directly saying, you know, like thanking us for making a game like this where it required them to like sit and think and come back to day after day and, and work on stuff and that there was no information out there. They were on their own. They were like, it felt like I was back in the, the 80s or 90s where that I was literally on my own. And they were like, that that meant something to them, I guess. So that's cool that they got that experience where they, if they wanted help and their immediate intuition would be to just jump online, but nope. Yeah. No, your power line is not working. So you're lost in the jungle and you're, you're alone. So that's kind of cool that, you know, you're, yeah, you're totally. in a closed yeah. system within the NES game. Mm-hmm. And what was the, um, I'm sure, I'm sure you, I don't know if you mentioned this earlier, but like, what was, what was the original, what, what brought you to full quiet? Like, did you guys do it because you're like, there are no survival horror games on NES or did you have the story already written out before? Or like what brought you to, to bringing it to it, to NES at the time? Yeah, it was sort of a process. Uh, Zach, who did the backgrounds, um, he and I were talking while we were actually making Halloween 85, I believe about making like a an exploration game um just mocked a few things up talking about being lost in the woods and exploration or whatever we were like okay well we can't really do anything out right now we got to finish this game and 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 tim and i were talking about making a bigfoot hunting game and those two things sort of happened right around the same time as each other and then it was like okay exploration hunting bigfoot that there, there we go that's that's a kernel of a game and but at that time, then we had moved on to making 86. And so we had to wait. Until that was done. And then we sort of all got together again. And we were like, OK, let's let's really drill down on this and think about what we want to do with, with this game. Obviously, got rid of the whole Bigfoot idea, but kept the that that kernel of an idea where we wanted to be out in in the wilderness hunting these cryptids or some, mm-hmm. something. We wanted to have something out there. Later on, we decided to make up all the lore ourselves um, and all the, all the creatures ourselves. But yeah, that was pretty much where it came from. Those two ideas sort of dovetailed, and, and that was that. I will say with my experience with uh, a cryptid, I suppose I've run into once. Uh, I definitely got a little bit of a predator vibe, which once again, I'm not trying to like say your work's iterative or whatever, but I really kind of liked that because I'm in a jungle, and it's been yeah. a long time since I thought about the predator. I, one of my <laughs> favorite favorite movies mm-hmm. so yeah it's a good movie cool. I like yeah. i'm always wondering as someone who who writes like and, and doesn't know much about actual game development like like at what point are, are, are you doing a bunch of writing and planning and lore first and then saying okay we've got enough and going into you know actual like gameplay and programming and design or do you do like a little bit of the design and programming first and then come back and attach a story to it or like what's the balance how do you how do you start and roll from one thing to the next i guess um this is the only time we've done this and i've done anything like this so i don't really have like a process sure for this game we definitely started with the visuals uh to sort of create the atmosphere and then started working on lore and story but i I mean obviously this game took way longer than we initially planned so when we, early on, it was very difficult to get all the background art to fit into the, the space we had allocated for it. So while we were going through new ways of making that more efficient, that's that's when I sort of really dug into the lore and the, the story of it and just started writing a bunch of shit down and like 
draw sketching out creatures and, and you know imagining all this stuff in your head and pap and his radio buddies and who are they and how could they interact and um so that was fun so then a huge chunk of that got done on its own sort of on the side but then we weren't ready to implement it until very late in the in the development process because we had to make sure we had all the game elements in there first and then use the story elements to sort of help the player get through the game, help them navigate and give them a little bit of a story to keep them interested because it's definitely like a slow burn game. So there had to be little nuggets. They had to be sort of be like, well, who are these radio buddies? What, what were they like? You know, things that you're kind of wondering when you're not playing the game or when you're like looking for the next checkpoint or whatever. Um, so then that had to all be sort of crunched down. You're basically taking, you know, 30 pages of story and information and crunching it down into a little bit of text and a little bit of, of graphics late, fairly late in the process. Yeah. When you were saying earlier, you were like allocating, like there's going to be this many power-ups and this many, like, I found that really interesting. Just kind of be like, it's like you moved into a house and you're like, that's how I'm going to lay the rooms out. Cause like, this is the limited space that I have and the couch is going to go here. You know, that's kind of <laughs> how I was thinking of it, the way you described it. Yeah, and that's actually a great analogy because if you have to fit everything within those walls and within those rooms, you can't just be like, all right, I'm going to put an addition on right now. You know, we couldn't just add 10K to the ROM. That's just not possible. So it was just like, you've got to make it fit. That's Yeah, that's a good thing to think of since we're uh, in the process of moving into a house. We didn't mention the music yet, <laughs> but the music's really The mu- music is really good, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I was really enjoying it. Is it is that available online to get, or is it who, who, who did the music for this? Yeah, Thomas Cipollone, um, Human Thomas is what he goes by online. He has everything on his Bandcamp page, okay. uh, so you can pick it up there. Um, for me personally, I think the music is the best part of the game. Um, it just it fits it creates the atmosphere it fits what zach had done with the backgrounds it's a tall task to be able to make music that's interesting but that doesn't try to be out in front and like force the player to acknowledge it all the time it's just sort of there but you're sort of bobbing your head along to it you're sort of humming the melodies but you're also able to think about what you're doing how do i solve this puzzle and whatnot as you go so I think Thomas did a, a phenomenal job with that. Yeah, the music is very cool. I th- I think that we I think that we talked to Human Thomas at MGC for one of the one of the years. I remember that name. And there was, you know, like the Nintendo Age room or whatever. We did we did a thing where we kind of just went around and, and interviewed everybody that was there. And I remember mm-hmm. hearing that name. And and when we talked to you when we talked to you about Full Quiet, I looked it up. It was uh October twenty eighteen was like was when we oh. first when you when you were on the show before to talk to us about uh, retrotainment in general it was like our it was our halloween episode or whatever we talked about halloween 86 and all that yeah that that makes sense yeah and thomas definitely he goes to the conventions with us so it, it does make sense that you would have talked to him and yeah but no the, yeah the music is great and uh i'll definitely i'll definitely put it on the i try to you know every episode i try to like make the music obviously go with whatever we're talking about but if it's something like this like we're featuring full quiet i'll i'll use the soundtrack for the whole the whole episode and all that and, and if there's a way for me yeah. to throw money to the whoever wrote it I always want to do that if I can. I think he takes donations or whatever. You can download it for free or kick him a few bucks or what you know, whatever mm-hmm. on on his. Do it on Friday. I will say it's definitely um, it's good music to put on to like work to if you're ever looking for something like that because like I said, it doesn't. It just it can be on in the background and you can enjoy it, but it doesn't like demand your full attention all the time. It's and it, when it loops. It's all very natural, and you can just keep the same track looping for 20 minutes and not get sick of it. 
Yeah, and, that, and that's always, that's interesting, especially for a game like this. It's like a survival horror type stuff. It's like, well, where, well, where do you, how do you approach that? Like as a music aspect, it's like, do you make it everything quiet, and then sometimes things happen, or do you have a song going all the way through as you would like for a regular NES game? So it's kind of cool to see how it can still carry that vibe of like sort of scariness, but not always, but not super like in your face the whole time. You know, I think I think it's done really well. Yeah, and he and he worked in uh, like frogs and sounds like cricket noises and stuff like that so to sort of always remind the player that you're outside and you know you're you're out in in the wilderness all there's little just little nuances throughout a lot of the tracks so yeah we, we talked about this game back in uh, you know, 2018 uh, and, you know it's it's been a while and that like it i know when i finish a big project like it just it feels amazing how does it feel to see this game that you've been working on for a long time just finally out there in the public for people to enjoy yeah, it's very remarkable, like the the weight that you carry, especially since this had so many delays. And like, I know me personally, like every time I would do something fun or whatever on a weekend, I'd have this like, like, no, I should be I should be making progress. You know, like people are, are waiting for this. People have given us their hard earned money to get this thing done. And it's like even when we couldn't, we'd be waiting on a certain part of the game to get coded out or, or art or whatever. It just always felt like I should be doing something to make progress. So mm. to no longer have that weight on your shoulders is, is just huge. And then now, obviously, it's it's you get to see people hopefully enjoying what you've done. And um, that's extremely rewarding. Uh, but I, with with a frustrating game like this, there's definitely a lot of like people, you know, people that are like, hey, oh, they'll just throw out, they get frustrated and they're like, why would you do this? Why would you do that? You know, whoever, whoever designed this game is more on, you know, you can just kind of like chuckle at, at that sort of stuff. But as long as there's like a few people out there that get it and like it, yeah. then, then that's, that's all we need. I think that whenever I'm given to a, like a Kickstarter for a game, immediately I I know that this is probably a small team, you know what I mean? And I don't personally, when I give it to a Kickstarter, I, I don't really care about the delivery date or whatever. I, I'm, I've got one that I've been on for you know two years now and you know, I don't check for updates and all that. I anticipate the day the game, game comes out, but I just, I know that this, it's a small team working on the game. Um, so I would rather they take my money and take their time and, you know, not kill themselves making the project and, you yeah. know, make, and come out with something good whenever it comes out. I think, and I think that's the case with most people. It's just that vocal minority who just kind of ruins it for, for everybody else. I think most people know that this is a game that, that you've been, you know, pouring your heart into for a long time. And, and uh, now they're seem to, uh, everybody's glad that it's, that it's out and they can enjoy it. But yeah, I mean, that, that, it, it definitely means a lot that people are willing to support you up front. Like you said, almost everyone in the, the NES dev community is a single person or a small team. It's just working on something for the love of it. No, yeah. nobody's getting rich off of this stuff. So it's like, we know we're just a bunch of nerds pouring our hearts into something that we love and we want to try to support each other. So it's great when people out there are willing to, you know, to back stuff that we do, especially early on, especially knowing that there could be delays. Oftentimes there are delays, but um, especially uh, the backers that we had are, like you said, the overwhelming majority of them are super cool about everything. They're very supportive. They're very encouraging. And 
that means a lot when you're when you're struggling, when you have personal struggles and struggles within within the team. And you know, for for a game to take this long, obviously a lot of stuff has happened over the past five, six years or whatever it's been. People lose jobs, people lose family members, people move, you know, change, change, so much change happens, a a global pandemic, you know, Mm -hmm. all this stuff happens that you don't anticipate. And it's just like, you got, you just got to keep battling through it, keep keep battling. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of those, uh, a lot of those Kickstarters, I feel like uh, for me, I'll be like, well, I'll give them, you know, I'll give them the money because I want to buy it anyway. I'll just give them the money. And then once they get done with it, you know, great. Cause you are, cause you already paid for it. You know, that's that sort of thing. I don't know. Really, never really, uh, expecting them to go quicker or anything like that. Uh, you, you, you said, uh, you said through the email that you were still, that you've been like still putting the cartridges together and all that. You're, you're still selling a lot of physical stuff for this game. Yeah. And uh, especially since the release, we had a nice influx of orders for physical cartridges. So definitely right back to the grind, you know, putting, putting flashing, assembling cartridges, folding up boxes, going through the order, shipping them out. Like it's, like we said, we're just a small team. So we have to do all of that our, ourselves. But there, but it's become, a, it, it became busier, right? Once it was, once it made it to like Switch and the other consoles and all that a little bit, like when more people were getting more recognition to it, the the physical market. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, which is, was a little bit unexpected because we didn't see that same uptick with Haunted Halloween 86 when it went digital to modern consoles, a few, few extra cartridge orders here and there, but, but not like this. And so I, I, I'm not sure if that was because there was such a delay between when we started it and when we actually finished it, or if it was just somehow the, the, the stuff that's out there on the internet reached new people and they were interested, but, um, but it's great to see for, for sure. You know, obviously we love to, to sell the cartridges. That's, that's our bread and butter and that's what we love the most. Um, it just means that, you know, tomorrow, right back into the office, putting labels on cartridges, you know, shipping them out. Are you still, are you assembling the nifty uh, glow in the dark or is that, was that limited edition? That's the main one. So oh, that, okay. that's the one we'll have in perpetuity. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, so the cool cartridge version. glows in the dark. Yep. That's really cool. I love it. It'll glow in the, yeah. that's even better yeah, than yes, a gold cartridge. Oh yeah. That's yeah. awesome. How much yeah, is the cartridge something... at, and uh, when, where can people buy that one? Uh retrotainmentgames.com is where the cartridges are available uh we still have some of the limited edition silver left um and we have the obviously the radio green that's going to be our you know like sold in perpetuity um and like i was saying we were it's meant to mirror the the radio green that's in the game the color that we've used throughout the game throughout the advertising marketing and all that stuff so we felt like it's got to glow it's got to glow like a radio dial you know so we uh Paid a, paid a little extra for that, but uh, in the end, we're we're happy with it. for for the full for the full cartridge and box and all that. That goes for like sixty, probably off the website, right? For the physical for the full physical NES version. Yeah, and the, the limited edition is eight. Oh, is is eighty? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, the silver cartridge. Um, the the shell is is like I don't think it, they call it anodized, but it's like dipped in some sort of silver. Uh, like it's 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 almost exactly like the original Zelda cartridge was dipped in gold. Right. Not real, but you know what I mean. Yeah, so yeah, yeah it's, those are a little bit more uh, expensive and harder to come by. So we said, let's just make that the limited edition. Nice, that's very cool. What's, what's the price on the eShop again? Is it? Uh, I haven't. I wasn't able. It's ten, right? Yeah, which I think bucks, is, yeah. it's a great. It's a great deal for a great game. It's a wonderful deal. I was hoping to. I was hoping to give you give you some Nintendo main bump here for uh, for our listeners. 
definitely check it out. I, th- I think it's a great game, and I, I fully recommend it for anybody. Definitely got a bump for, for what one. I'm, I'm going to buy it after the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you'll like it a lot, John. I, I think it, I will, I, I, yeah. I, I, I thought that you would like it. Yeah, no, it's I, I've been enjoying it. I haven't got I've been able to get all the way through, but I'm not I'm not trying to like I'm not trying to like blow through it. You know, it's kind of like same. You know, I don't want to rush it, but it, but I've been enjoying definitely what I've played so far, which I've, I've maybe only played a few hours into it, but I did I did really enjoy what what I've played a bit. If you guys have any questions or anything, I'm always available. You know, feel free to reach out. There's like a couple Discord servers now, I guess that are. Uh, where people have put up information, they'll do it spoiler free or whatever, or give give little guides. Um, I think someone pointed out some map to me the other day where a, a speedrunner put it together, and it's like every detail you can imagine is on there. I don't know if that's just out there in the world yet, um, but they're on apparently on a couple of Discord servers. So again, you know, it's great great people great communities that are just sort of like digging into this stuff. Have you seen someone speed run this yet? Is there like a video up of it? Yes. I saw, I saw a video and that is one of the most heartwarming things um, I've ever seen because it's like you, you know how much time speedrunners put into things and how crazy they are in the, in the best way imaginable. You don't see most of the work they're doing. Right. 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 But I know, I know it's there. I know there's so much behind, there's so much that went into what they put together on video. That's like an hour long or whatever, but it takes so much to do what they've done. And it's cool that they found little exploits that we've left in there and they found things that we didn't put in there. And it's just great to see them break it. You have to release a patch for the NES game. Yeah, I was gonna say like, <laughs> what, I mean, do you feel nerf it, nerf it? Do you feel embarrassed at all and be like, oh no, they found that, or like, uh, oh, I didn't expect that to. I mean, is it more just like, just feels good to see people spend so much time with the game to to find that? Yeah, that, yeah any amount of like embarrassment or whoops, we missed that is just completely completely forgotten because like like we're saying, you know that how many hours did it take somebody to find that little exploit or whatever? Like they really care about it. Mm-hmm. And that's that, that, you know, that means everything to us. Hell yeah. Did we say explicitly at what are all the platforms that's now available on digitally? I think it's on everything, right? Uh, not on PlayStation yet. We're still oh. working on the PlayStation. <laughs> the Switch, Xbox, Steam, and NES. Get, yeah. Get it on NES if you still have a working one. Yeah. I'd say that. Otherwise the Switch feels great. Honestly, the Switch feels like a really nice place for this. No, oh, no, it's yeah, it's great that it's on there. It's definitely, I mean, I I love like how much, especially like through eight bit legit, eight bit legit has done been bringing a lot of stuff on there, of like the homebrew NES stuff, and that's really cool. Yeah, it totally fits the Switch, and it, right. you know, it's you don't have to worry about whatever uh, any any extra horsepower or whatever on the system because these are NES games and they just run really well, and it's great. These to play are them. indie games with an, uh, an extra layer of feeling, an extra layer of love. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're actual actual yeah. NES games that are finally that are available on non NES, you know, which is which is cool. But if you have a working yeah. NES, get get the get the physical copy. Which and Steam Deck are especially nice. Um, something that we've heard a good bit is like people saying, "Well, you know, I want to be able to play it while I'm on the commute to work or something like that." And and for Switch and Steam Deck for a game that requires you, like you're not going to plow, plow through it in one sitting. It takes multiple sittings, so it's definitely sort of uh, works out pretty well. On, on those handheld consoles. And I heard it's like around like 20 hours about to, to play all the way through for an NES game. Which that's, is... what, that's what people are reporting back there. Their playthrough time ends up being around around 20 hours. Some people, you know, obviously it takes longer. Some people are, are insane and they can just blast through it in like 10. Um, but I think the average is coming in around 20. 
it's a beefy NES game. That's great. Oh, yeah, yeah that, I mean that's like a yeah that's that's so much time for an NES game. That that's like the equivalent of uh, what hundred hundred hour whatever that we have now. No, I think that's yeah twenty hours in an NES game. That's great. But you know, I've been I've been really impressed with what I played of it. Like I said, I think it looks incredible. I th- definitely think it's one of the best looking NES games I've seen. So yeah. I would say it's worth it was worth the wait. Yeah, and it, and it, yeah, it was one of those things. It was kind of like. It was, it was, yeah, sort of like a glimmer or a dream or whatever. We had heard about it so many times. And then I got the email about it, and I was like, oh, full quiet, awesome, amazing. You finally play it on the Switch. And I always wanted to get a cartridge of it, but, you know, pandemic happened and all this, you know. We haven't been to MGC in a while and all that. And shit, shit kind of fell apart. So <laughs> that was that was my dream to eventually get, like, a physical retrotainment cartridge or something like that. But I think this is the one I'm going to get when I finally get around to it. I like the Haunted Halloween games a lot, but this one, this one's special. It just feels special. Yeah, it was the one that it was like the one that we had. I don't know. Felt like this. This was the big one that, that you always talked about. Mm-hmm. You know? Not to say those others aren't special. Sorry, but for me personally, this one feels more like in my wheelhouse. Yeah, they're they're different. They're pick up and play, beat them in mm-hmm. three hours. Mm-hmm. You know, great. And and how how many retrotrainment stuff is on Switch now? You have uh you have full quiet. You have haunted Halloween '86. Is the Garbage Pail Kids game? Is that retrotrainment yep. also? Yep, yeah, we designed and developed Garbage Bell Kids, and then um, Digital Eclipse did the whole digital suite, which is awesome, and uh, I may I may published it. Yeah, Digital Eclipse does a really good job. They've been doing a really good job with their... Yeah, and they're super cool people to work with. Like, that was a great experience for our whole team. Nice. Cool. Um, is there is there anything else that either of you want to wanna add, add before we go here? I think I'm pretty good. Is there something else that you wanted people to know? about the game buffalo quiet um i guess nothing in particular comes to mind um other than than the fact that like i I know i speak for our whole team that we're extremely appreciative that people like you dig into this stuff and still care about nes games the nes homebrew community is awesome and we're we're really feel privileged to be a part of it and just like the people that we've met over the years that we can continue to be friends with it's just it just feels good to be a part of something like that and then when other people out there find out what we do and, and play our games and play our friends games it just it's uh it means a lot to all of us yeah you've been doing doing very cool stuff is there um i mean is is there anything you can talk of that that's like on the horizon like after now that full quiets is there a full quiet too is there on halloween 87 or something that, that you did you mention well, we know we want to complete the trilogy, the Haunted Trilogy. So um, we definitely want to do 87. Um, as for Full Quiet, uh, Super Full Quiet, or I don't know, what, whatever a sequel would be. <laughs> even quieter. Um, fuller, <laughs> I was going to say fuller or quieter. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've definitely thought about it. And I actually spent last weekend sort of just on a, on a whim um, just sort of started brainstorming about possibilities. So, you know, it's obviously way too early to be, to say anything concrete about that, but you know, this is what we want to do. We want to keep making NES games and, and we like building these, uh, these franchises or whatever they are, this IP and making a sequel to it and see what you can, how far can you push the sequel? You know, that's always a, a fun thing. So I would say definitely at some point we'll, we'll figure out a way to make a, a follow up to, to full quiet. And um, hopefully we can just, keep doing this stuff yeah i, I hope so oh, yeah. you've done done a lot of great games and i'm glad that they're a little um, easier to get i'm great that i'm glad that they're getting recognition on, on all the different systems now yeah. yeah thanks guys well i i appreciate you guys having me on here and 
uh, working with my schedule to be able to do this. Um, uh, yeah. Likewise. Yeah, we appreciate it. I, I, th- I thank you for, uh, you know, taking time out of your busy schedule to, to come on here and talk to us. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for, thanks yeah. for making it work. I wanted to try to do it like after the game was out so people could, could go right to it. Like after they listen to this and all that could jump right to the eShop and, yeah. and play it, you know, the, you know, that sort of thing. And plus there was, we had a bunch of other interviews before, but yeah, no, I'm glad, I'm glad we were able to make it work. And, uh, and thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. Let everybody know where they can find you. And like, if you're on Twitter or on threads or blue sky or whatever else is out there, uh, let anybody know if you, uh, you know, if they can find you on social media or, you know, where just tell them again, like where retrotainment is and that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I don't personally have social media, but retrotainment HQ on Twitter is probably the easiest way to find us. Obviously, a Google search will take you to, to, to one of our places and just reach out. Anybody has any questions for me, just, you know, my name's Greg. Um, reach out through Twitter or whatever. Um, you can find, find me in Retro Gaming Games on Discord, I guess, if you're on there. But yeah, otherwise, you know, we're always open to talk, to discuss things, talk to the rest of the team, you know, Zach, Thomas, Andrew, Damien, Tim, we're always always available and always down to nerd out about things. Nice. I might I might hit you up if I get stuck on it <laughs> for something. Be like, what do you do here? <laughs> That's one nine hundred retrotainment. No, yeah. <laughs> That's what we need. Dollar ninety nine. I'm like just figuring out Discord now, so I was like, oh, I could I could do retrotainment now too. All right, cool. Thank you so much. But thanks thanks for joining us, Greg. And uh, yeah, hopefully Thank we'll you. see you at MGC or talk about whatever yeah. in the future. So thanks for Definitely. thanks for being on. We'll uh, go go play yeah, full quiet. Everybody who's listening to this, get it however you can get it. And play it. It's it's cool. It's a cool game. It's really cool. All right, we'll take a break and then we'll be back and we'll talk about our games and stuff like that. So. Hey, you. It's me, Mario. Yeah, you. <laughs> Subscribe to our Patreon to hear our bonus shows, which happen every month. I'm a tired. Tired of all the big corporate podcasts spoon-feeding you the same old video game news on every single show. Ah, spaghetti. Ah, ravioli. Then expand! Wow! With Nintendo Main Expansion Pack. It's us talking about old games that were important to us. It's us interviewing people that we meet at conventions. And heck, it's live shows from those same conventions. It's basically everything you could want that Nintendo Main ever made. Here we go! And it's just a buck a month. That's less than a bad indie on the eShop. It's $12 a year, which is less than Nintendo Switch Online. <laughs> Thank you so much for subscribing to our Patreon and supporting Nintendo Main. Just go to patreon.com slash Nintendo Main Podcast and hey, Mario, let go. Whoa. 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 He's throwing us back to the show.
langue, Bowser. Patreon.com slash podcast. Game over. we're back from the break it's the time of the show where we talk about all the games that we got and the games that we've been playing i guess if you want to add anything more about full quiet since we just did the interview yeah i did actually now buy the game since the interview oh Uh, yeah we took a we took a quick break uh, for about an hour or two and at that time i bought the game and actually got to try it out and i already get the sense that if this game were released you know, 30 years ago in the NES era, it would be regarded as a classic today. Mm-hmm. Yep. It just feels like very well polished. And another another game that that feels like I can't believe that the NES could do this. So this is uh, just really cool. And, you know, I've only played it for about 45 minutes at this point, but I can't wait to dive in and play more. We're it's, a full quiet podcast. <laughs> well, we're fully full quiet, I should say. It's it's definitely uh yeah it's definitely really really impressive for for what it is like I was very like oh, I, we said in the interview earlier but I was really impressed by the layers that you can see yeah. as you walk through it it feels like a Super Nintendo game you know even though it isn't yeah I would agree to that I also like how Greg can talk to us about programming without it being confusing that's pretty cool <laughs> we we've talked enough to enough developers to to kind of understand yeah, tone it so. down for us dum dums <laughs> no it's it's really cool uh yeah for anybody uh who it's like a house listening to this check it out. <laughs> the full quiet game it's only ten dollars i like the way that so far yeah i like the way that it, that it moves like i like the, way the character the character controls and it, you can jump off a ledge and grab a a ring that's hanging down and then swing forward use your momentum and all that uh, i like it, you know i was i was actually playing the using the nes controllers because that's just how i wanted to give it a try get the full experience oh cool i'm glad you tried that because i haven't tried that yet what is yeah, it i mean and, does it is it weird just, not having the I mean, the because I only played on the well, switch, and there's like four. Ones, right? I guess there's four controllers, but you use use a what start to to do the jump now instead of a Y. So, well, that's like the roll, right? Yeah, the roll, the roll thing. I was trying to do that, and I, I wonder if maybe there's has to if you have to switch it or something for the NES controller because that didn't happen when I hit start. It, it, it may just be reading it as a pro controller, not as a. Oh yeah, that's what I think it's doing. Yeah, so I gotta trick it some way. Yeah, because um, yeah, you just need to button map, rebutt map it. Because uh, yeah, cause, other than that, it was it was cool to just feel like like they were pushing the boundaries of what uh, what the NES controller could do, like really using it efficiently. The um yeah, because the 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 uh, minus and plus select and start buttons are the same thing, so so it could you could easily map it to that or whatnot. Yeah, I was wondering how well it would work with the with the wireless NES controller. So I guess you'll just have to switch it around. Maybe I'm surprised there's not a setting for it in, in the game, but. It'd be, I mean, at this point, we're all pretty well versed in changing the controls and the, right. the actual menu. Change. And it would just be for that game on that controller. Yeah, and you can name it and save it. Did you want to add anything no, I don't, about I, it? No, I don't have much to add. Like, I was just, 
I just thought it was cool that we got to talk to a developer for the only NES game I may have ever looked forward to like coming out because by the time I really was aware of the NES, I wasn't waiting on anything. Like there were so many good games that I wasn't like, I can't wait for this one to come out next because we weren't getting new games and I didn't even consider that a possibility. So uh, yeah, like it's the first time I was like waiting for an NES game and for multiple years. And so far it was worth it. Yeah, Full Quiet was always kind of like a, it was just this this like really big mystery game that we had, this legend that we had heard about. And, and when I saw that 8-Bit Legit was bringing it to Switch, I was like, oh yes, let's do that. We need to do an episode on that and we need to play that game. So I jumped on that one for sure. Because I've been, I've been, uh, yeah, I've been uh, anticipating that game for a long time. So it's nice to finally be able to play it on the Switch. We're definitely a very, uh, yeah, we're very pro retrotainment podcast. Like everything we've, every experience we've had with that company between like playing the games and talking to the, the folks there. They're awesome. Yeah. We talked to them on the show floor, like way back when. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, just to, you know, they did send me a code. They sent me a reviewed code for, for full quiet. So whatever we got it for free, but, but full wait, disclosure, but both of you, what, yeah, what, one of the three of us got it. Yeah, yeah. We got one, but uh, aside from full quiet uh, last week. So last week I was talking, uh, it was actually kind of really worked out really well from the way I was talking last week. So last week I kept talking about how I'm like, oh, I'm never going to play anybody online, blah, 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 on AEW5 forever. And I was, uh, I, 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 I like commented on some some Nintendo Switch Facebook group or something like that after we recorded. And somebody posted a Discord group and I kind of jumped in there and now I'm actually using Discord. I've like never really used now Discord. Now you're finally like, <laughs> I have to learn Discord for this very specific thing that I need. Well, now there's like, uh, I mean, there's a pretty cool group of people on there that are playing AEW on Switch. And I've only played, I've only played one of them actually, but I've added like six or seven friends. So now I actually have friends who are playing AEW Fight Forever for Switch. Did uh, you have to delete other friends? No, I'm not that popular. Good. My, my my friend level isn't isn't like through the roof or whatever. It's hit max capacity. No, uh, no. I mean, I added a bunch. I added everybody who who put their sweat their friend codes on there, and and I was trying. I was actually trying to get a full four player online thing going for the stream on Monday, but uh, a bunch of people said they'd come, and then only one person came. But <laughs> but Joe, th- but thanks, Joe. Uh, but it was weird because I, I jumped on this Discord thing, you know, after we recorded last week, and I was kind of drunk. You know, I was watching uh, I was watching AEW and having drinks and. All of a sudden, this person is talking to me on Discord, and then I just, you know, I just grab the game, I just grab my Switch, you know, and I just jump on, and then uh, he's like, let's chat, and then I, like, turn, put the Discord through my headphones, you know, through my Bluetooth headphones, and then I'm just, like, playing somebody online on AW, like, at, whatever, like, uh, 11.30, midnight, or whatever, and I was like, this is crazy, like, in a, just in a couple minutes, now I'm now I'm already talking to somebody online, and it was, yeah, I played it all handheld, and I, I won the first match, which was pretty cool. And then the second match, it got real glitchy. <laughs> Basically, both of our characters were on each side of the ring, and we were both, like, cr- kind of trying to, like, grab each other, but we weren't touching. And we kind of just, like, froze like that, and our guy's hands were out just, like, just doing this. <laughs> and I couldn't move. And then eventually he started moving around, but I still couldn't move. And he couldn't, like, throw me or hit me or whatever. I was still stuck in this animation of me trying to, to grapple with him. And... uh yeah, we had to quit, and that was the that was the first couple matches. And he's like, "All right," he's like, "All right, you got one. I gotta, I gotta go to bed." And I'm like, "Okay." So, uh, so yeah, we did that, and then I was, yeah, I've been, I added a bunch of these people on from the from this from this, the the uh, Discord, and I'll put a link to it on the on the description. I told them I would, and uh, yeah, like these people are really really into AW. Like, there's this one guy who's trying to start like a whole federation inside of the game. I was like, "Oh, you need to come on our show and talk to us about that." I want I want to hear that. So uh, so apparently we're gonna create like 
dynamites and rampages like within the aw world and like tape it and put it on youtube or whatever i don't know i don't know what his plans are but he's got he's got this crazy all these ideas about it and we've already been picking characters i picked kenny omega just because you know whatever he's pretty powerful i've been playing with penta mostly because he has a lot of good moves which you saw you saw penta uh zero zero miedo at uh at the, at the thing he's part of the the lucha brothers which are very good they're a really good tag team from AEW. they were in that tag team match that you saw at the end when you were here jeremy so i was playing as him because he had cool. some cool moves but i know kenny omega is pretty strong so i was like oh well i'll try kenny, kenny omega but yeah people have already like um joe plays as uh brian danielson which i was telling him i was like you know i was there when he joined aw i was at that event that was at the that was one of the all outs when brian danielson showed up yeah that's when i thought when i was like man aw's like smash brothers because there was like because there was like four people who all like just like came out of nowhere and be like we're in we're in you know and it felt like watching a nintendo direct as you know it was like just one after another after another they were bringing in all these new, all these new wrestlers it's based off a japanese league as well so it's like smash brothers the japanese yeah. game with all these crossovers yeah i wanted to make a I, w- I was gonna i wanted to like make a mention of that but i never did but i was like man that all out that all out was like smash brothers because like at the end it's like Oh, and here's another challenger, and here's another one, and they were just kind of everybody was just jumping out. It was it was it was huge. But we we played again. We played again on the stream on the twitch.tv slash Nintendo Main Podcast, and he pretty much destroyed me both of the one on one matches. But we played some tag team matches, and those are really fun, actually. You know, uh, and we you know we I talked to him on the through the headset, and so I didn't I didn't know whether he'd want to talk through Discord or not. So it's just if you watch the video, it's it's just me. You can just hear me. You can't hear him. So it's kind of so it's kind of weird. But we did have you know. We had some people watching us on there but that was cool but i want to i want to try to get like you know more of the crew of the discord on there because everybody seems to be pretty chill but uh yeah no it's uh it's cool to find people who are playing aw on switch is is my uh is my whole uh moral to that story i guess maybe it's your quest maybe you need to be the one to pull them all together yeah i'm trying to i mean they've been talking about like trying to get full player four match four uh, four player matches and all that on there and we haven't got there yet but it was fun just to play uh just to play tag team matches with somebody online and just just against the computer, we were having a great time. And I have a, uh, I have the difficulty turned up to hard, you know. So it was so it wasn't like too easy, you know. We actually got beat a couple times, you know, and it was fun. We were we were trying to, you know, we were trying to make sure that like to come out and block the guy when one person pins you and all that. And it was it was really cool. Like it was it, it was having so a lot like of fun. talking back and forth about what you were doing, kind of. Or yeah, we we were yeah yeah we were chatting we were chatting while we were playing. So it's like. Uh, so we did that and we played, you know, we played as the Lucha Brothers, you know, we did like different tag teams, like, it, you know, he likes Brian Danielson. So we did, so we did Brian Danielson and John Moxley, who've been like a tag team before and stuff like that. And we just kind of just like, you know, played different people and, and then after, and then he had to go and then I just played the, the casino battle rail by myself and I lost cause it's hard, but <laughs> it was still kind of fun to just like commentate on it. The battle rail is where it's like a 20 person thing and they all just kind of come in. It'll only be four at a time, but one person gets knocked out, and then another random person comes in, and and you won't even start at the beginning, which is kind of weird, even if you're playing by yourself. If you're playing the single player mode, like the career mode, you'll start at the beginning, but if you're just doing the regular uh, match, you you won't. You'll you'll come out at random, you know, depending on whatever whoever gets knocked out or whatever. And it's it's kind of like the sixty four ones where you have to walk, knock them over the top rope, and that's and that what gets them out. But uh, like pretty much curse of the podcast, like the day after we stopped recording. They announced officially the stadium stampede mode for AEW Fight Forever, which is like, I know I said last week, you know, I gave my review of it where I said, you know, I'd say maybe it's a seven for if you don't care that much about AEW, but if you care about AEW, it's an eight. And I think if the stadium stampede thing works, I'd give it a nine. I'd, I'd, I'd put another That's point for the that. battle, battle royale mode, right? Yeah. So from, so they released the 30 second trailer 
of Stadium Stampede, and I've watched some breakdowns of it and all that. And it basically looks, I mean, it, it basically looks like wrestling Fortnite is what it looks like. It looks like Fortnite with wrestlers. Cool. And uh, Stadium, Stadium Stampede was a was a uh, was like a pay-per-view main event back in 2020 when I mentioned is it Is it like a really big ring or is it the same size ring? No, it, well, because, you know, uh, Tony Khan, the guy who owns AEW, also owns the uh, the right. Florida the Jaguars. So they uh-huh. so they wrestle in the Jaguar Stadium in the football stadium. Okay. So so that's why it was called Stadium Stampede. So they have a ring in 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 the football field, but they also have the whole stadium to do whatever. Right. So it's so it's basically like what we were, you know, like the concession stand Set match pieces, that we saw, yeah. except like much bigger. And since it was 2020 and they had no audience, they could just kind of go wherever and do camera cuts and stuff. So there's like there's people riding around on horses, like where people get run over by a guy on a horse. So there's like somebody in a golf cart that like runs over another person and they do all this different, or like there's a part where Adam page, like goes to the bar and drinks a bunch of stuff. And you know, they, they could do all these cutaways and stuff. And they did a thing where, uh, Matt Jackson, Baby. they did, they did this thing where Matt Jackson from the young bucks, like did this like rolling summer, or this, like he does this, uh, he does this rolling suplex and he like did it through. He did it across the entire uh, football field because they can cut it, you know. So to make it look like he just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling and just like <laughs> from one end to another. So they did. They did fun stuff like that. Uh, Adam Cole Bebe was actually not part of AEW yet when this when. This oh, happened, you're just, so. it was just another Adam. Yeah, no, Adam Page, uh, Hangman Adam Page, different guy. Uh, he was an AEW uh, original, but no, it, it was a really cool thing that they did on pay per view. And from what I can tell on this, what they're going to add is there's still. People don't really know whether it's going to be a free-to-play thing or not. I think it should be free-to-play because, like I said before, it was really hard to find people online. And if they're planning on doing this, like, 30-person, like, uh, Fortnite-type thing, just make it free. You know, that's that's what I think. Just so more people can get on there and you'll actually be able to match up with people because I still have not been able to find anybody to play randomly. I have to actually, like, you know, send an invite through my friend list or whatever. Like and I said, I've only played one person from the Discord group out of, like, the 10 people that I have on there or whatever. So I mean, it's still pretty, it's still pretty difficult to get to get with there with a random person. So hopefully, they, know, like, hopefully they just make it free to play, so there'll be more people, people on there, and we can actually do like a full. Cause it's supposed to be a thirty-person online thing, and and it looks like Fortnite. Like there's actually it says in the corner, you know, uh, ten seconds left. The arena will get smaller, so they're going to do that, like with the storm moving in and all that shit. And uh, yeah, you can ride a horse, you can ride a golf cart, you can do these things that happened in the pay per view. Uh, something that I thought was really funny is you. Uh, there's vending machines, and you can buy like you can buy food and sodas from the vending machines that'll actually refill your health, like that sort of thing. And and it has a limited amount of of uh, sodas that are in the vending machine. So if you use it before somebody else, they won't be able to use it, like that sort of thing. I was hoping there were vending machines where you could buy like uh, a chair or like you know what I mean, like a, a prop weapon to use. vending machine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'd be so cool. I mean, there, there's I mean there is stuff like there's I saw footage of a. Uh, them using Molotov cocktails on each other, like stuff like that. So there are like crazy weapons that are in the game, obviously. And there's different, you can do loadouts with different, you know, where you boost different, um, different stats, depending on how you want to do it. And, and I think there's a level up system in there. Probably it said level three, like in the corner, like on, on the video. So I'm sure you level up. I'm wondering if it's free to play, like, I think they should just make it free to play just as like an introduction to the AW game, but right. And then people who like it can pay the full, the video says free download, but it doesn't say that it's like separate from the game or not. I just thought that maybe it would, or if you're going to put it on there, it's attached to the game, make the online crossplay so it's much easier to find people because I want this 30 person online match thing to work. But right, if you ever want to have 30 people in one match, you kind of got to make it free for. I mean, that's probably the reason why 
all these battle royale games are are free to play. Like, what are the odds you're gonna have thirty people? It's in to any get game everybody on there. Sustained period yeah. of time, yeah. unless it's free. Yeah, but it looks like there's a lot of really cool stuff. There's like a there's kind of like a momentum meter, sort of like if you do if you do like certain big moves, like you, your momentum meter will get higher. You have like a health bar, so when it so when it goes down, you die. It's different from like the spirit bar from the actual game. But I noticed in the trailer it shows a Scorpio Sky like dropping off, jumping off of the off of the top floor, or whatever the the balcony of the stadium, and he like lands on the chairs and all the chairs break, and he loses a bunch of life. But it also but it says like destruction bonus and like your momentum or whatever went up because you broke all these chairs from jumping off of this thing. So I don't know exactly if that's going to give you like higher damage or something like that, but. But I'm really I'm really interested in it. And yeah, and it showed players just running around the world. It showed like the you know the little circle closing and all that stuff, like what you would think from Fortnite. And I think it's a really interesting idea. And I just hope that there'll be enough people to get on it that it can be like I said that we can get 30 people on there because I'm really really excited to play it. There there was no announcement about when it's releasing, but there's already a ton of hype on it. You know, and there's and they you know and you can do you know that there's a ring in, in the in the middle of the field like that sort of thing, or you can you know and they have a truck there too, like a big semi truck with the you know like what they do to transport the ring. It has their faces on the side of the truck, and and you can do moves off of that. And you know, it's it seems like I imagine you can only pin other people in the ring. That'd be the motivation to get to the center. I don't know if they'll do pins or not because you have since you have like a a health meter maybe it just goes till you're out of health and then you're just out of the game. But uh but yeah maybe you can I don't know maybe you can do pin stuff in the, I mean in the actual stadium stampede you could pay, you could pin anywhere it didn't have to be in the, in the in the ring like it could be wherever you want. There's like trampolines in the background like which you know there was one like right next to the right next to the field goal so it would be fun to like throw somebody into that and maybe they can go over the field goal you know like silly shit like that you know. I wonder how you enter, because like you know, because like it's a big thing to have like an entrance in wrestling. Like, does everybody have their own custom entrances? In the you know, oh yeah, like all at once as they jump out of the bus. I think I think falling from above is just not going to be like tasteful. Right yeah, <laughs> yeah, don't do that. I think in the actual pay per view they did it like football, where they like ran through a tunnel, and then and they like uh-huh. ran, ran through like a paper circle, like you know, like you would in a football game. And it, because it was the pay per view, it was like you know, it was like inner circle versus the elite. So it was like a team of six versus another team of six or whatever is like how they did it and and that sort of thing. So they kind of introduced everybody as a group instead of like having everybody's you know single like intro and all that stuff. But but it's uh yeah, I'm really excited about it. Hopefully, like I said, hopefully you'll be able to find people on it. So I mean, that would make me want to try, especially if it was free to play. I would want to play the battle royale version more than the. And I mean, then I would learn the mechanics in a different way, in a more chaotic way. But yeah, I don't know. I think I'll probably buy this game eventually. I'm just waiting for a sale or something. Me too. I definitely will. I am uh, tight for cash right now. Yeah, sure. Me too. <laughs> but wrestling, I mean, you. this is like a game that you were heavily anticipating. I understand why you own it. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I would. Yeah. I mean, I've been watching AEW since it started. So, I mean, I've been waiting for this game forever. And they did. I didn't watch tonight's episode, but I saw somebody post it to the Discord. Uh, they they've been doing this like fun. Uh, they've been doing this like fun storyline with a uh, you know MJF is like the world champion right now, and he's like a bad guy. He's a heel. It, it actually happened while we were there. They did they did the blind uh, tag team pick, and they uh-huh. they teamed him up with Adam Cole, baby. And they can and then they're like you know they kind of don't like each other, but they're hanging out because they're going to have to have this tag team match together. And I guess they I did. Guess the, we have to. They did this bit tonight where they actually go and hang out and play AW Fight Forever 
as their characters and they win the tag team belt. And I was like, oh, that's that's funny. That's a, that's a fun Aww. way. To, that's a fun way to promote the game like within the show. So they've been doing some cool stuff. And they both and they both like video games or something. So that's how I know Adam Cole does because I watched. He was interviewed and in, like before AW Fight Forever came out, I watched the YouTube thing of them talking to him about it. But I don't know. I don't know how much MJF plays of games but it but it was fun you know i mean for what i i mean i haven't seen it yet but from what i saw it looked fun so and all of the storyline stuff with that has been real fun so but yeah no it's a and i guess i did wake up to try to watch uh evil uno stream but it was not it didn't happen today it was canceled so hope he's oh. hope he's okay maybe he's sad that he's oh, not so. in the game still <laughs> which is <laughs> just so wrong come on man put him in there he's been he's been promoting that game but no aw5 forever still has uh still has life and actually, we did we did get a comment from one of our patrons about it, so I'm just going to read it now before I forget about it. Simon says, "I always listen to the end." Smiley face, which I, I you know I said that last week about oh nobody listens to the end or, or if you made it this long. He said, I, "I gave your stream a watch too. Glad I did because you kicked the shit out of the big show." <laughs> My daughter went through a phase of watching his Netflix show over and over again. It used to drive me crazy, so it was great to see. I pre-ordered the Switch version and and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, the second stutter every now and then is a shame. Probably my only annoyance so far. Mind you, I'm only a couple hours in. Loving the mini games and that trailer for the stadium royale looks insane. Can't wait. And thanks for and thanks for commenting and thanks for supporting us. Also, uh, Simon is a patron, so this is a this is a comment from our Patreon on uh, on the video. Thank so. you so much, Simon. Thanks, so, so yeah, thanks for. And checking thank you out. for sticking around to the end because you'll hear us <laughs> say. The most self-deprecating things we do usually at the very end, <laughs> and uh, and I'm glad you're. I'm, I'm glad that I didn't steer you wrong on the AEW game. I'm glad that I that I convinced you to get it, and I'm glad that you are not disappointed with it because I th- I think it's a good game. Like I said, it's a uh, it's not perfect yet, but they're going to keep adding stuff to it. So I think it's I think it's going to get you know it's it's got it's got a lot of potential. I think it's the big thing. Like I was really excited about it, and there were some things that didn't come together as I, as well as I thought it would, but. The fact it, I still feel like there's a ton of potential in in the game, so they just need to you know just keep tweaking it, and then eventually it'll be a, a a nine or something. I don't know. I'm I'm still having a great I'm still having a great time playing it. I think AEW has more motivation to make the perfect wrestling game than their competition does. I think that they they've started out on a really strong foot by number one choosing what's the company Ukes, then 64 company. Yeah, made all the classics. I mean that that was that was the right choice from the beginning. So I, I think they are, are on the right path, and and I, I think they are obviously hungry to make a name for themselves in video games, just as well as they did in wrestling. Also, like the the signs that people have at the the matches and stuff about video games specifically, you know that crossover oh, yeah. is already <laughs> there, waiting to happen. Like oh, I try, I made some, sell, of, like, yeah, I made some as well. You could but, sell like yeah. uh, some Final Fantasy VII like DLC costumes for AEW, and people will probably buy it if enough people, you know, were playing it. Oh sure, yeah. Well, yeah, you see, like those ones that are like, I mean, I even made a couple, of, a couple of signs. Like I made a, I made a ease eights better than Breath of the Wild. Like I made one of those signs, or or I or I made I I made a Xenoblade Chronicles three is better than Elden Ring. I made a sign for that too, and it never wow. never made it to uh, <laughs> never made it to any of the shows because I was sitting too high up. But it'd be funny if it was on there. I mean, I never played Elden Ring, so I don't know. But I just know that Xenoblade Chronicles Three is the best game of all time. That's all I need to know. I don't need to play anything they're else. Different. I just know that they're different games. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, obviously, literally, they are, but they're very different games. Yeah, no, but yeah, AW Five Forever, great game. Check it out. It's uh, it's fun, and yeah, you know, uh, Twitch.tv slash Nintendo Main Podcast every Monday night. 
I'm going to try to get some more people on there. And uh, also you can find on YouTube, youtube.com slash Podcast. I almost forgot about this, but you reminded me of it, thankfully, Jeremy. The Tetris 99 Pikmin 4 event. I almost completely forgot, but I saw you posted it on Twitter. Oh, right. I did because I needed a reminder that I played it because I sometimes I forget to play it. Sometimes I do play it, but I forget to mention it. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned it because I completely forgot about it. And I was like, oh, I got to play that. So I did. I jumped on and I played it and I liked it. Oh, that pattern is made my eyes bleed. <laughs> That's what I said on Twitter. Like, yes. Yeah painful and i got through it as quick as i could i think it took me like five or six matches but shauna did get to fourth place on one of hers wow so yeah yeah she she always does better than i do I she did. nailed it in like i think four matches no, it, it was five i think but she it didn't take her long to get her nice. her theme and neither of you have won still yet right you're just you just get real close nope. Yeah. Nope. I uh I think I got to like thirty or something. I didn't I didn't really do that well. Third's the best I've done. The the idea I mean I've gotten to I got to third or second, but that was like way back when it first came out. But right. uh well what was it? Um the the idea of the Pikmin theme is that the that the blocks are made out of Pikmin, so they're different ones like you know, like they have the different colors and that's like kind of what the idea was of of it was. But the, the cool thing was I, I played through Tetris ninety nine, you know, and I really liked the music and like all you know, it didn't it didn't it didn't bother me that the color, but I understand I know a lot of those colors bother you on the on the Tetris ninety nine. I get like sensory overload yeah, from yeah. It and just kinda like it it makes my brain like scramble stuff in my peripheral vision where I should be paying attention to the other stuff and I'm just like so focused on making sure I drop it on the right line. You know, where I should not even have to think about that shit. Oh, sure, yeah. So, I mean, I do I do eventually arrive at Tetris Brain, but it, it hurts. And, I, and like, what I've done, I'm like, why am I squinting? Like, that's, like, the only way I can do this if I kind of, like, make it a little more monochrome in my vision. Mm. Yeah, I know that, that you said sometimes you have uh, trouble with some colors or certain mm. certain colors. If they're not, like, if they're too similar, they can be, be kind of confusing, right? I just, I mean, I'm just having fun, you know? Like, I'm like, I want to get this theme, but I, I'm not enjoying it. Mm. Whereas if it was a nice, pleasant, if you could, like, I wish you could just use your own theme and still get it. Like, let's just, just let me use the regular. Stuff. Oh, sure. Yeah. Make that an option. That'd be cool. I'm surprised it isn't one. And if it is. What's the point is to advertise for the game I know. that's coming out. Yeah, they know? want. I'm still, they, gonna, yeah. I'm still playing it to earn the theme. I just don't ever want to fucking use it because it, <laughs> it makes my brain bleed. My eyes bleed. Whatever oh. I said before. Well, well, the good the good thing about that though is that it inspired me to play the Pikmin Four demo, and I did go play the Pikmin Four demo, and I played through the whole thing in one sitting. Like it's, I got did through. You play it. it before you, because you said you were going to be play through the other games first, so you did not get through Pikmin Three this week. I made it. Just jumped dead. No, I I I was playing Pikmin Four. I was playing the the Tetris Pikmin Four, and I just got really excited about Pikmin Four, and I'm like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm going to play the demo. And I obviously loved the demo because I played through it in like an hour and a half. So, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed it a lot. I think it looks great. I think it plays really well. Uh, it's, I mentioned on Twitter, um, I felt like it was the natural evolution of the series. Like, it feels like this is the way it should go. Now, that I did I did have some gripes with, with it as well. Like, and, and this is kind of gripes I have with a lot of Nintendo games, but it was way too fucking chatty. Like, it was like, it was like, very yeah, chatty. It was like, yes, I know. I mean, I, what I love about Pikmin 1 and 2 is they don't really tell you anything. They just drop you on the planet and you just figure it out. It's basically like, I wish that every video game would like, would say, like, um, have you played this series before or have you not? And if you could say like, yes, I've played this series before, they don't have to explain everything to you that you already know from Pikmin 1, 2, and 3. I always felt the same way with right. uh, with like Pokemon, where it's like, you, you should be able to say like, hey, I've already played this game before. 
you don't need to explain to me how to catch Pokemon or how to do whatever. Like, I know how to call the Pikmin. I just felt like they over-explained everything, and that really annoyed me. But once you get past that, and it kind of lets you do your own thing, it's it gets better. That's a long way in, though. It's like at least 45 minutes in before it lets you off the leash. Yeah, I, so, I, th- that, so that that really annoyed me, the, the, uh, the, the multiple explanation of everything. I would be curious to know what kind, like what percentage of the audience that has a Switch is having their first. Obviously, Pikmin Three did get released a while back for the the Switch, but uh, I'm just wondering how many people are getting their first like, oh wait, the, their first experience Pikmin, huh? of Pikmin. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like, what's this Pikmin thing like? And then, of course, they made a bit more of a an event out of it this time around with the release of the of the first two. So it's like, um, I don't know. I, I just, I'm curious. Like, it's user friendly for sure. Therefore, they shouldn't need to explain as much. But yeah, I think I it's know. a little. Yeah. I, I do. I wish, I'm having a, it'd be great so, if you could just go into the menu and be like, I've played Pikmin before. Click. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, sometimes yeah. that's actually an option in games. It'll be like, I've played this series yeah. before. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I think I had sort of a realization about Pikmin playing the demo that I, I don't remember if I had before when I, when I played uh you know number three in the you know probably three or four hours that i that i played that so what, what one question i have is on the, the previous pikmins which i have little to no experience with did they make so much mention of dandori no or is that is a brand that is a brand new thing okay. and that actually that was it feels like an intersection with animal crossing to be honest i thought the dandori okay. thing was uh well i mean well the dandori like the two-player mode where you know where you're playing against a computer or whatever. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was hard. Like I thought everything else was kind of easy, but that part was difficult. Like I lost the first time, and I was doing great. Like I was winning, and then like in the last two seconds of it, all of a sudden he got like 30 more points and then beat me. You know, so it was like I was like, oh fuck. So I had to, so I had to kind of really like you know try extra hard to get to get through that Dandori part, the part where you're, uh, you know, where you're collecting the stuff and you're doing it at the same time and it's split screen against the guy with the leaves in his face. Maybe you didn't get there yet. Right. So I I, I wasn't necessarily referring to the, the two-player battle mode, but the concept of Dan Dory uh, that they mentioned throughout the demo, it, it made me realize, I think, for the first time that, you know, Pikmin is really about spinning plates, like making oh, sure, sure that yeah, yeah. this is happening while that's happening while that's happening. And that's, that's a concept that appeals to me just in, uh, you know, throughout my day to day. Like I, I like things that, you know, I have to manage like that, you know, organizational type things. And that just kind of, you know, lights up the synapses in, in my brain. And so it's the fact that the demo has pointed that, that out to me, that this is what Pikmin is about makes me want to jump back and, and play some of the earlier games to see what I've missed. Oh, for sure. Well, um, I mean, Pikmin, I mean, you have to realize Pikmin is a real-time strategy game. It was basically Nintendo's version of real-time strategy. So if you look at it in that way, that's basically how it works. Like similar to like Mm -hmm. Warcraft 2 or whatever, like those type of games where you, you know, where you got to build up your army and take it from one place to another. That's, that's what Pikmin is too. And you have to, but there's also strategy as to how you'll fight whatever enemy you run into, you know, depending on how they react and that sort of thing. And that's basically, and that's, you know, and that's what the game is. And uh, ever since Pikmin 2 allowed you to switch between two different characters, it kind of started that whole thing where it's like, all right, I'm going to go over this way with these guys. And then I'm going to switch to the other character. I'm going to go this way with these guys. And you're going to kind of like balance that spinning plate thing, like you were saying. And in Pikmin 3, you could, in on the Wii U version, you could use, well, they added it later, but but you could use like on the pad, you could use your extra stylus and you could kind of like 
take a group and be like, all right, you're going to go over here and you could like just tap on the map and they'd go that way. And then you could so right. Oh, well this one, you're going to go over here. And then this third one I'm in control. So it, it got even more like a, like a mouse, you know, like, like a mouse type, uh, real time strategy mm-hmm. game, which I thought was really cool. I don't know how well they implement that on the switch version, but the, but the Wii U one did it really cool with the two screens and all that, with the map where you could be like, all right, they're going there, they're going there. And I remember doing that. So, but, it, but I, I, I really, I liked Pikmin four a lot. Like I, I know Jeremy, you you had some trouble with the graphics. I didn't really notice anything. I thought it looked really good, actually. I was kind of just like marveling at it. I'm like, eh, it's so pretty. But uh, I mean, I'm sure some parts are blurrier than others, or whatever. But I was, yeah, I was really, I was really blown away, blown away by it, and I'm very highly anticipating it. So, and I, yeah, I basically, I think that I, I probably ended the demo too quickly because I played it just like I would any other Pikmin game. I, I go for the treasures. I mean, that's what you're there for, right? So I got my Sparklium pretty easy, pretty early, and I actually made it to 2,000 instead of 1,500. But you, if you're in a cave and you get higher, you know, it won't end it until you leave the cave. So that's how I got it. That's how I got it higher than the number that it said you would have before you, whatever, before it ends. But it was it was pretty quick, yeah. I did it in one sitting because it was it just kind of like grabbed hold of me. Well, it kind of makes sense because you're closer to the release, so that's cool. Like I I still haven't finished it, and at this point, I'm like I want to play the actual game, so I should go back to it this week and finish it out. But I'm I'm so close. I'm so yeah, close. I haven't finished it either. I think I'm like twelve something right now. Yeah, I thought it was funny that both of you had been playing it for like two weeks, and I was just like, uh, I just <laughs> I just got through it in like a in like ninety minutes. But I think it's you know depending on what you're doing I guess you could draw draw you could draw it out longer but I was just like I was like oh sparkly thing get it you know and I just got all this stuff until I until it was done you know because that's basically how I am on all those games it's like give give me the treasure but I I really like the new camera angles where you can get closer and where you can kind of be like behind the character and see the background you never really could do that I mean, maybe you could do it in three but I don't remember it being in there but it looks but it looks better. Uh, some stuff that I don't know if I necessarily dislike or like how you now you have to kind of like build up the amount of Pikmin that you can have on screen at once. Like that's kind of weird because the original game was like, you know, you can have a hundred out at once if you have them. But it seems like this one you have to get, you basically have to get these onions that'll upgrade the onion that'll let more Pikmin out. I don't know if I'm going to hate that or love that. I guess we'll find out once the game. Doesn't it also change if you're underground? Like there's a different amount you're able to have versus the surface. Not in not in Pikmin too. It's the same amount whether you're. Oh, I meant this. I meant this one. I I I thought that yeah maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I don't know. Um, and and I remember I heard people on another podcast saying uh, talking about how they didn't like that the that the cave told you like what you needed to go in there, but that's what they do in Pikmin too also, and it's actually kind of better because if you go into a cave and there's a whole bunch of fire shit and you don't bring any red Pikmin. You know, you're going to be like, well, what the fuck? Now I'm going to go here. back out. And, so, it, yep. so basically, the second one did that as well. Well, basically, would say like, all right, well, you need. I mean, pretty much all of them. It'll tell you that you need everything, but it'll be like, all right, well, there's this, there's this, and there's this, and you'll look at it and be like, okay, well, I should bring this, bring enough for this, and that's kind of what I felt the same way with this one. I'm not, I will. I cannot tell a lie. I felt like the uh, the underground sections were treated a lot like the underground sections in Zelda. It was like dis- new discovery when you found a cave or whatever. Like it just kind of made me. But they did that in Pikmin too, way before Breath of the Wild was even. No, a game, I know so, that. You know. Is- All the onions in the underground correspond to the onions on the top. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying they it did. They, they did that shit a long time ago on Pikmin two on GameCube. That this them them caves been. That was actually really sad that they didn't make an appearance in Pikmin three because I love those caves. Those caves, and I don't know why they cut them out of three. But now they're back. So hooray. 
It, it, it maybe, maybe the caves are inside of you all along. You didn't even know it. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it, and I um, I might have pre-ordered the game already. So, so I think it's cool. I really hope you could. There's a DLC where you can get a dog nose. I'll feel better. <laughs> but I guess uh, playing through Pikmin Four inspired me to go back to Pikmin Two, and I beat Pikmin Two this week. So got two in the can. Beat beat one and two like a week, two wow. weeks in a row. They're not very long Pikmin games. Super fan. That's also a that's a, also a great thing about Pikmin. They don't take very long to beat. But the reason, I mean, I've talked about it before about how Pikmin Two being my very my favorite Pikmin, and I think last week I said that I. Or maybe whenever it came out, I said that I thought I had never beat Pikmin 2 before, but I totally beat Pikmin 2 before. Because when I got to the end, I was like, wait, I've seen all this before. So I, I, I remembered the cutscenes and, and the way it is. Did you see it before? Or had you watched it on YouTube or something? No, before? I never watched it on YouTube. I never watched anybody play Pikmin on YouTube. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. So I was looking at your history the other day, and there's a lot of Pikmin content. Well, maybe now. <laughs> maybe now I was playing too, but not... Uh... <laughs> I got to the end. And I was like, "Wait, I remember this." I'm going to spoil the ending, but it's not really play the ga- playing the game. It's the journey is more important than the destination, right? So basically, Pikmin Two, you have to raise you have to raise ten thousand dollars, any whatever the fuck you want to call it, and uh, and once you get to that, the game ends. So so you find these treasures in the game, and they all are worth a certain amount. And once you get to ten thousand, it does a cutscene, and then there's and then there's credits. So. So basically what happens is, you know, I, I was like, all right, I want to see what happens at 10,000. So I got to 10,000. And then once you finish the day, it's like, all right, cool. We're going home. And, and you go home and there's this animation of the, you know, of the ship, like leaving the planet. And Olimar looks back and it and it shows like the planet. It's, it's Earth, obviously, the planet Earth. But he sees like these big Pikmin faces inside of the Earth, you know, because he's like thinking about his time, the great time that he had with the Pikmin. And then as he's looking at the planet, he turns around. And the back seat is empty. <laughs> and it's basically like, he's like, oh, fuck, Louie. <laughs> and then Louie, so Louie, the second player or whatever, gets left on the planet. So so the credits are basically just this animation of, of Louie wandering around the planet by himself. And, and it's so cute and funny, and I love it. And that's and that's the way it ends. And then basically you, after that, it asks you, it's like, well, you want, do you want to keep playing the game? Because this, this is only like half the game. There's like a post-game thing. So it's it's like it's like well you want to keep playing and you're like yes so then there's this whole animation where you go back to see your boss and your boss is like hey I paid everything off thanks for getting all the treasure and stuff and he's like oh oh you left Louie on the planet well fuck we got to go back and the boss is like all right well I'm coming with you so now you get a different second player and it's the boss that you've been helping through the whole thing and you get an upgraded ship too your ship is gold now so now you have a golden spaceship that you fly back with and then you get like a hundred plus extra treasures that you can find. And the game keeps going. And that's why I think that's why I love Pikmin 2 so much is you can get, you can beat it. I think I beat it in like 12 hours, but then it keeps going after that. And you can just, are there extra like dungeons and stuff or whatever? Yeah. You, you, well, you unlock an additional world or an additional location or wherever that you can land on. Okay. And there's, and there's like a boss rush cave. That's really hard. And there's, like I was saying for my nickname, building my purple army so I can acquire the doomsday apparatus. So the doomsday apparatus is a, is a dumbbell. It's like a, it's like a weighted dumbbell and you need a thousand Pikmin to pick it up. And in order to do that, you have to, you have to build up 100 purple Pikmin to pick it up and then carry. And it's like the, it's basically the highest, it has like the highest of value of all the treasures. So so I did that. I went. It, it took forever, but I did the Pikmin farming thing. There's basically you. There's this one cave. It's like the eighth floor on the subterranean complex, and you go there and you can get 15 purple Pikmin in that. You basically use your regular Pikmin and turn them into purple Pikmin. That's how you do it. You can't actually 
grow them like you would any other Pikmin. And there's also these queen flowers, as they're called. And you can throw any of the other colors into it, and it'll turn one Pikmin into eight Pikmin. So then you can get, like additional Pikmin. So I would go down there and I get the additional Pikmin and then, and then get the, uh, and then get the purple ones. And then, and then you can go back up to the top and then you go and you do it again and you keep doing it until you get a hundred purple Pikmin. I think I ended up with 113 total because I got to like 98 and I still had to get another 15. I was like, all right, all right, fine. But, but once you get through the cave once, you know, and you get all the treasures and stuff, it's kind of easier to just kind of dodge around people and just go, just go to where the next down part is. And another interesting thing about the caves and Pikmin too is they're all like randomly generated. Like they're basically like, uh, you know, like, oh, that, okay. like, like that sort of thing. So the floor will be different every time you play it. And I've gotten into the, and it saves every time you get to a new level. So if you get to a level and all of a sudden you fuck up and you lose 30 Pikmin, just restart the game, go back. But then the level will be different because it'll be different every time. So that was that was kind of interesting as well. But but no, I recommend, I mean, you have Pikmin too, right? Maybe, Jeremy, on your Wii U. Go play it. It's a great game. I think I do. But I, I got I got the hundred I got hundred purple Pikmin. I actually beat the game without having any purple Pikmin because I had lost all of them stupidly because because I just fucked up and they all died because they don't have they're not stronger than any other Pikmin. They can still get killed just as easily, which kind of sucks. They just have more you know punching power or whatever lift lift power or whatever. Yeah. Well, lift so power, they hit but harder. They hit harder too. Yeah, but but they still but they have they still go down same defense or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Fuck you, purple Pikmin. Yeah, but but I, I like I like the purple Pikmin a lot. Like it was, uh, but I, yeah, I got finally Bless got you, to it. Purple Pikmin. There was um, but speaking of what John was saying about spinning two plates at once, there was this like really really cool boss that I that was like the last boss that I beat before I beat the game, and it was basically that you know how I was saying like how the second one really wants you to like take control of both characters and and switch from one to the other. There's this like there's this boss that you fight, and every time you you know. Whatever character you pick, it will automatically focus on you. So you basically need to like distract him with one person and then change to the other person and then throw the Pikmin on his tail until he realizes that you switched and then tries to turn around again. And then you switch back to the other character and get him focused on that. And then you go back and throw it. It's really complicated, but it was really cool once I figured out how to do it. So there's some really, really creative bosses in the game that I was. It's still, I mean, it's still my favorite Pikmin. So, but you know, you got to. It's not. It's not easy. Like I got, I got my ass handed to me a couple of times. You just gotta, you know, it's like most games. You gotta, you gotta learn the patterns of the of the of the bosses, and you gotta figure out how to do it correctly. You know, because if you don't, you know, you'll get your shit will get destroyed. You know, you'll lose like a hundred Pikmin, and then you gotta rebuild them and all that, and blah blah blah. But in the credits, Mister Miyamoto's name is not on the credits for Pikmin Two. So I'm, like I said last week, I I don't think he's as involved in Pikmin as people would think. I think it's just to the same level of Steven Spielberg's Boom Blocks. I think he just had an idea about it and then gave it to somebody else to make, and that's. I'll say they made a pretty big deal about it being his like first new like. Yeah, but but he's not. But he's not a developer. He's not. A, he's not a director on it. And the first one, he was credited as producer, and he was credited as creator. But he did not actually work on the game. Like I think he's he, a creative fellow. I think he had the idea of it, but he didn't actually develop it. And he's not even on the second. The second one's. I couldn't find his credits on there at all. So I mean, you know, wow. Whatever. I think it's the same sort of thing where he's like, I have an idea for it. Now you go do it. I mean, he's kind of. You know, he's more of a. You know, he's a. He's more of a creative, you know, creative producer guy where he's like, he comes out of it, comes up with it. And he's like, you, you go do it now. You know, that sort of thing. 
But no, I highly recommend Pikmin 2 to everybody. Uh, you can get it on Switch for like 30 bucks. It's totally worth it. It's a great game. I hope that Pikmin 4 is as good as Pikmin 2. That's what I hope. I hope it does the same thing where like you can beat it kind of early, but then it keeps going and there's an extra like, because I beat the game, I beat the game with 100, with 101 treasures. And then it told me that I had 100 more treasures to find. And I'm like, ooh, yes. And then you got an extra level and all that. So, which has multiple caves in it also in the uh, Doomsday apparatus. So. Yeah, so it's it's a uh, yeah, it's definitely been a lot of fun. And uh, the Mario Kart, the new Mario Kart levels came out. The new Mario Kart racetracks are out now for Mario Kart Eight Wave Five. Speaking of GameCube greatness, we have Daisy Cruiser is finally on the Switch. It was fun. That's one of my favorite race tracks, so it was nice to play that. I have not had a chance to play these yet. I did see you post about it, but I gosh darn it, I didn't get around to it. They came out. Last... I've not played the new Mario Kart levels since the the Tokyo level came out like over a year ago. So this would be like a whole new game to me. Yeah, you've been missing out. What you been doing with your life? Get in there, play those things. No, uh, they also added like they also added three new characters as well, so you can play as Kamek, or I think they call him Comic, which I'd never call him that, but whatever. Hocus Pocus. Uh, Wiggler is in there, and um, Petey Piranha is in there. That was kind of kind of fun to play as that weirdo with his with his polka dotted underwear and all that. <laughs> he was in a. Uh... Wasn't he in Double Dash? He was in Double Dash. He, he was, was in Double un- Dash. He, he was unlockable, yeah. But yeah, you unlocked him in Double Dash. But you haven't seen him since. And I wish that they would bring back his pipe cart from from Double Dash. Yeah, that the was pipe cool. cart was badass. Yeah, I liked I liked the green pipe cart. No, it, it was really cool. But now now he doesn't have a pipe cart, so you can just see his underwear all the time. I played through both of the cups. Uh, one one is Wiggler, and one has Peter Piranha. Because you gotta you gotta play with Peter Piranha. He's he's a big he's a big motherfucker, and it's fun. Does Wiggler get like? Uh, does he change color like with certain power ups or something? Like, does he get mad? He gets he changes color whenever he gets hit by anything. So yeah, he does. Okay, he, he changes red whenever he gets attacked by any item. So that's pretty cool. And he gets all pissed and he's like, you know, like like he would in the <laughs> in the other games. And he tra- changes dark red. So that was awesome. But I really I really like the courses. You know, I even like the tour ones on there. Like there's a there's one that takes place in Greece and it looks all like you know looks all like a mythical Grecian. You know, that's and that one was fun because it doesn't look because even though it's based on like a real place, it doesn't look it looks like it takes place like in ancient Greek times or whatever. So I like that. Yeah. Um, And there's Koopa Cape, though, from the Wii one. That was a really, really good level. Like that's in there now. The one with the water. I always loved like Mm -hmm. racing with the water because the water makes you go even faster, you know, and then you go in the tube and like like that one was really cool to do. There's there are two other tour ones. Uh, There's L.A. and there's uh, Canada. Vancouver? Yeah, Vancouver's the other one. Really doesn't LA level in Mario Kart? That just seems so weird to me. Well, the LA one's kind of funny because you like you basically like shoot right into a baseball game and you like go right through a ba- like a baseball stadium. And in the Canada one, you shoot onto a hockey rink and there's people playing hockey and you and you race like through that. And I think those are cool. It reminded me of the old school uh Mario sports game. So I, I appreciated that being in there. And that's why I liked it, even though I'm not really that big on tour, but I like that there's a little bit of you kind of feel like you're seeing Mario baseball in there. Maybe that's why people thought that there was possibly going to be a Mario baseball announcement because they saw Maybe. footage of the Mario baseball from the LA level. But I thought, I mean, I thought it was a pretty good wave. Like I think it's one of the best waves I think that I've seen. But and there's like a Game Boy Advance level on there and some other shit. Oh yeah, there's there's the night uh shroom shroom crossing or something. I forget what it's called. It's basically like it's like another one of those like where you're on a highway and there's a bunch of cars. But it was in the Wii one and it was at night. But that that one's on there too. 
but the I big, know what you're talking about the big it's ones like for a... me. The big ones for me were Cope, Koopa Cape and uh, Daisy Cruiser. Oh yeah, and the bathtub the level bathroom. is awesome. I love that level so much it's because good. because you get to go into the drains and you go in the drain and there's all this dirt and there's like a wedding ring down there that you can drive through like. I love it. That's it's, the closest it's so, it's thing so Mario has done to actual plumbing in 35 years. Oh, it's fucking great. Like I we I've said it probably I've many. always wanted to drive through a wedding ring ever since I went through that sequoia. <laughs> I mean, I thought that was funny that yeah, there's like of course there's gotta be the wedding ring that you drop down the drain and there it is, and there's all the dirt down there, and it's and, and there's like a there's like other random shit that's in there. I just I loved it. Like I thought it was really, really cool. And I mentioned before how much I love like being a small character in a giant world. That was another thing I loved about the Pikmin 401 demo was like being in a giant house. Like I love that shit. So uh, there, there's a, there's an underground level in Pikmin 2 where it basically feels like you're in a, you're in like the shower of a gym, like that sort of thing. Like everything's tiled. Wow. And it has like the shower drains. And like, I thought that one was really cool too. But, but you know, it's, yeah, I really, I loved the, uh, the bathroom level. Like it was so much fun. And yeah, and you, you shoot, avoid, like, you shoot, patches on the ground. you like shoot over the toilet and the toilet's like overflowing as like a fountain and it'll like, and you like go over and it'll, like shoot you up higher. Like it's, it's, it's fun. <clears throat> it's, it's a lot of fun. <clears throat> <laughs> I was really enjoying it. Yeah, the the bathroom looks completely trashed, but it's a it's a hell of a lot of fun to drive through. Like it's everything, you know. It's that it felt like they made the level very interesting. I, I think it's one of the best new wave levels. I think. Like I was, I was I really, I, really as long as I go drive through a car wash afterwards, I could do it. But I, yeah, I was having I was having a great time with it. I was like, man, yeah, oh yeah. And when you're in, you go into the tub, and the tub is filled, and they have like the bath bombs like floating in there, and you can see them dissolving like as you drive past them. Like, there's a lot, a lot of really really cool details in it. So I highly recommend it. It's free. You both have it. Check it out. It's awesome. Yeah, I want to check it out. Yeah, but that's me. Cool. Yeah. Uh, as far as uh, what I play this week, it was mostly a lot more. TOTK, which I don't need to say much other than I've just been going at, going through and doing side quests and building weird vehicles. And uh, I've started messing around a little bit more with the uh, going to shrines and like using those parts to build stuff because there's special parts you can only get in shrines that you can make part of your auto build that you can bring back later. And uh, anyway, it's been fun. I, I think that game just there's just so much to it that I still have left to find and I'm going to keep playing it. I haven't felt like I was done with it yet. But otherwise, of course, we spoke about Full Quiet earlier. But I did want to say, I mentioned at the top of the show, that uh, the PS5 was back in rotation. Fire fire that big... $600 uh, machine you got back up. It was less than that. There was, um, I, I do want to, I guess this is a news thing, because I don't know if we'll get to get to much news. But did you see all the stuff with the Microsoft, like, uh, uh, the yes. whole court case, how they were saying that there was like a PS Slim on on the that is probably going to yeah. happen okay, never for, mind. for for less than four hundred bucks, and I'm like, well, it'd be like three ninety nine. I was like, well, if that happens, then I'll then I would consider getting a PS five soon. No way, they're not going to redesign it and sell it for. If not, that model will be more expensive, but the original model will drop in price. You know, like it's more likely what's going to happen. They're not going to release a cheaper. Well, I mean, we'll probably, but there'll be, it'll be like the same thing happened. That's when I got the PS4 was when they released the slim version and they dropped the price. So that's, they they think they dropped it overall, but that's, but yeah, if that happens, I'd be quicker to get one. But yeah, no, that, that was kind of what was released with the court. And also they were talking about a pro version, which that's been talked about for a long time, but right. But yeah, if that happens, then, then hooray, I'd get a, I'd get a slim or, you know, hopefully if I ever get, if I ever work and work another audio job ever then i'll get that (laughs) 
whenever the strike ends. <laughs> I was ranting I with say, Frank. I was going to say that. Yeah, that's what I was going to talk about in particular. Um, I played a little more Far Cry, Far Cry 6, and it's just a forgettable game. Oh, you don't like, <laughs> like it? It looks beautiful, and it's fun to go around and cause havoc and stuff, but like, there's really not any sort of, like, I don't know. Unless you're just following dots on a map, there's just no soul to the game. Like, yeah, I didn't hear it just much doesn't about feel, it. Well, it's very forgettable, I think, is the thing. And it, also, I didn't pay for it. It was free download. I think I mentioned that last week. The game I played a lot this week, same thing. Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart. I love this game so far. I think this game is really, really cool. cool. Um, Did you play any of the other ones? The no. original Ratchet? I I think I think I actually own one of them. No, I take that back. It's Jack and Dexter. I confuse those. Oh yeah, because you played. Yeah, I've never there played was a lot of game. those that came out at the same. You played time. the first yeah, one, right? Sort of you played the first actual good uh, Jack and Dexter game, the precursor I Legacy have, or whatever. It's I do called. have it. I own it over there. Yeah, because I have I, I have the uh, HD whatever the HD trilogy version of Ratchet and Clank, and I think I played one or two of them, and th- it was all right. Uh, I was I was disappointed last week. I was like, oh, I can get these games for free. No, I can't because I don't have that PlayStation Plus level, just because I have the lowest PlayStation Plus level and I don't get any free games for that, so boo. So is this also on PS4? What do you mean? Oh, uh, no, I was just... R- I so. No, I was talking about um, thought... the other one. I was talking about uh, what I've... Far, Far Cry 6. It's a, it's, a, it's a showpiece for the system. Yeah, so. that's what I've heard. I've heard it's like the showpiece for the PS5. It's, At least in the launch window. It was like the only yeah. ex- other exclusive, but even though I think the only exclusive is Final Fantasy 16 now because it's on PC as well now. Yep. What's Ratchet cool about uh, Ratchet and Clank? Well, Ratchet and Clank feels a lot like um, an old school. Like the closest I could think of is like, even though I didn't like play a lot of it, it feels like Jet Force Gemini if it was actually good. Oh yeah, yeah. And you take that and maybe that. add a little bit of um, maybe add a little bit of Banjo Kazooie to that because it's got like moves you can do and stuff and like different guns that have some fun effects. Like it's very cartoony. It's not like like gritty sci-fi like Jet Force Jim and I was going for with like alien guts exploding everywhere. Uh, no, this is like a very cartoony, like the bad guys you fight are called like, well, maybe they improve over time, but currently the bad guys I'm fighting are like uh, baddies for cheap. That's what they're called. So they're like the baddies that were hired. They're like just the cheapest baddies you can hire to like, and when you kill them, they don't actually like die. They just like phase out, you know, like, so it's a very kiddie game, and I like that. I I, I kind of really like. It's kind of what I'm in the mood for right now in my life. <laughs> it's this game that's just super cartoony, and I was talking to Shauna. She was watching me play it for a little while, and she was pretty impressed by like how it looks. And yeah, we were just like, this basically looks like an Illumination film as a game. Like, and like the guys are saying the corniest shit ever. Like yeah. the, the bad guys are like making all these one liners and. He, you're just throwing one-liners back and forth, and you're going from section to section, and they're like little set pieces, you know. So as good as it looks, there's a lot of invisible walls, which I don't like after playing Breath of the Wild so much, or uh, Tears of the Kingdom, I should say. Yeah, it's not completely uh, open. Right, it's not. No, there's literally invisible walls. Like, if you try to, like, get somewhere a different way, you might just run into an invisible wall, and I hate that. But, um, I mean, it looks great within the parameters that it has, you know, it's, it's essentially, it's an action adventure game and it's definitely on rails. I don't feel much freedom so far. Maybe eventually there will be, but it looks great. And, uh, the weapons are inventive and everything looks really cool. And I will say, uh, John, you would appreciate visually mm. the way they approach portals. And this is different, you know, cause like we all love portal. 
everyone on this podcast loves portal and the way that when we first saw that like kind of blew our minds like yeah portal pop it out of this other spot and then john you were really into uh what was that game uh subs not sublimation what was it called subliminal subliminal super super liminal oh super Super liminal yes yeah that one yeah (laughs) where it was based on your like perspective like determine the size of things and all that this kind of takes those two things and combines them so when you look at a portal rather than going through it it's actually far away from you and you pull it towards you and it pulls the it entire, looks really cool pulls the entire reality towards you and kind of like the madeline lingual way if you ever read wrinkle in time like that was sort of how space. described yeah described like how a tesseract work was pulling, you know, yeah, folding it and pulling the uh, destination to yourself. And it looks really cool, especially like when you're like fighting a boss or something and you're using those to go pop from place to place. And this game, like I said, it's on rails. You're fighting bosses constantly. If you die, you go back to like whatever. Usually you have to start the boss over again, but sometimes it'll like put you out of phase. If it's like a really long boss, it'll like let you go back, you know, not as far, but. And also your weapons continue to level up as you go. So like you'll just keep getting stronger if you keep failing. And also the game has a lot of accessibility features where you can just skip a level if you want, which I haven't done yet. But nice. if I was just like, fuck this, I can just go to the next level. I mean, it's not bad. I mean, what That's was cool. it? Uh... No, it's really cool. Rhythm Heaven would do that. And I like that too. Like if you got stuck on a thing on Rhythm Heaven, if you lost a certain amount of times, it'd be but like, it's not even like, like, hey, like you want to uh... skip. It's like, okay. I was like, it's not like Purple Luigi shows up or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Like, uh, oh sure, like White Donkey Kong, mode. Or whatever. Right, right. No, it's not like that. It's just like it's always there. It's not like, hey, you failed 28 times. Do you want to use this? It doesn't do that. It's just always there. It doesn't make you feel bad. You can just be like, f this, yeah. and just go to the next thing. Right. I, I want to keep ram. No, I want to keep ramming my head into the wall, which is how I feel. Mm-hmm. That's the way I'm gonna play. But uh, sure. It's fun and it looks really good and there's a lot of really funny dialogue. Granted, if you like keep dying, you have to hear the same dialogue over and over again. But hopefully it's all the characters enough. are always talking to each other and there's all this crazy like dimensional stuff happening off in the distance, like weird like portal stuff. And it always feels like, you know, there's something going on besides where you are. Until you try to get off the path, then you realize no, it's just like a little you're just in a little set piece, but still it looks really good. So I recommend it if you have the PS5. I'm pretty sure it's part of PS Plus this week or this year, this month. There we go. <laughs> I my my thoughts on uh, Ratchet and Clank from what I played of like the HD version or whatever. To me, it would all it was always kind of like taking like a third person shooter and mixing it with like a with like a 3D platformer. That that's kind of what I yep. gathered from the original ones, and I like that. I thought it was cool. There's a little bit of platforming in this, mostly based on like context sensitive, like hit the button to like pull either pull towards the portal or grab like a floating device that you'll like lasso towards. But that's all I've really learned with like locomotion type stuff. I mean, it's platformy, but so far I haven't really had to like really platform. I was just fast traveling from place to place with the the mechanics. Cool. But it's fun. I still like it. And uh, uh, yeah, so that's pretty much it for me. Oh, wait, I, I, I watched all of the new season of Witcher 2, but we don't have to talk about that. Oh, that's out. I haven't seen any of them yet. So you saw like whatever. I also like. I also liked it. And Henry Cavill it turning into one of the Helmsworths yeah. or whatever the fuck they're called. One of the Thor's brothers. Well, for me, uh, I've been playing Gimmick and, uh, you know, my name uh, referenced that. So I've, I've been doing the, uh, I got about a, 
11 hours so far. I just checked it out. I'm, it hasn't been 10 days yet, but I checked it out on the on the parents app, the parental control app, which you can use to track your hours if you want to. Hmm. And uh, so yeah, that's how much I've played so far, which I think for you know, a brutal NES platformer, like that's I'm, I'm squeezing a lot of worth out of it, and I'm still going to keep playing this game. I would really like to get to a point where I could feasibly get on that speed run board. Last I checked, there's still open spots on the board. So that's my goal. I want to get on the speed run board, get in the top 100. Do it. Fuck yeah. And I think you can. I think you're the uh, the right kind of fan for the for the process. And I, I think, like, in a way, it's your AEW fight forever, you know, and you and Trey both getting those games. We did, so t- yeah. We did a it's whole, so nice. yeah. whole episode about that. Like, what are other games that were in Zelda that we were really excited for? And they came out within a week of each other, which is crazy. I know. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. So I'm still going at that game and then i also bought the soundtrack this week which was only 6.99 on steam the soundtrack is amazing nice if if nothing else like i think it's worth it if, if you even if you never played the game before give it a listen it's a uh, it's been my my on my way to work you know soundtrack that i've been putting on and uh, yeah it's uh, it's nice and cheerful it'll get you through the day uh, actually there was another news item that kind of ties into that so sunsoft detailed its lineup for a uh an expo called Bit Summit. Oh yeah, and among all that stuff, they showed a little bit more of Euphoria, the remake. But Bit Bit Summit, we actually talked about this with Battle Kid, with our Battle Kid uh, interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan, just I mentioned it because Bit Summit is basically like Japan's uh, indie convention. This is is what I heard. Mm-hmm. So actually, I misspoke. It's not a remake of Euphoria. It's it's the sequel. And if you haven't seen this yet, take a look. It looks really cool. I mean, it's it's another crafted style game in the vein of yoshi or, or kirby those crafty type games but it, it's its own look too it, it just looks like a diorama or something it's really cool i, I got I'm i got euphoria for wii virtual console before it went under so i did play a little bit of the original version Same. so i'm interested in the sequel for sure and there were a couple other games which i wasn't too interested in but i'm glad that sunsoft is, is back and in full force and uh more on that later in the show uh, I've been playing my NBA Jam Cabinet because it's just been, I've been busy with doing like mental work, like doing my budget and that kind of thing. And, you know, when you're really like deep into that sort of brainy stuff, like every once in a while you just need to step away, but you don't want to go lie down on the couch. I don't want, want to anyway, because then I've, I get out of the mood. So I just find that having the arcade cabinets is really helpful in those moments because those games, you can play them for five to 10 minutes. It's done. There's no other. There's not a huge library of games on them to, to tempt you to keep playing forever. Uh, like an NBA Jam game lasting around 10 minutes or so, it's perfect. Just get on, play one game, and then I've, I'm distracted enough from what I was previously doing to come at it again anew and uh, perhaps solve the problem that I was stuck on. So Are that's you still finding people online on the NBA Jam? Yeah, game? easily. That's like, so cool. If I, if I get it on you know, after 6 p.m. when everybody's home, Always, there's somebody who jumps in and plays the game with me. Just just about every time. There's a, a thriving community of, of people who play those games and play them online. That's good. So there's probably like a one-up arcade. It's probably multiple one-up arcade uh, discords. Discord. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like a better version of Reddit, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I'm I think, that, think that's that. I think that's another problem with AEW Fight Forever. Is there's like so many different... Like if you jump online and you pick whatever you want to have hook up with somebody like randomly with there's all these different match mm. types so i'm like 
I'm like, where are the people at? Do I need to go to the exploding barbed wire match? Do I have to do to do need to do the four player match, the three way match? Like, what are we doing here? You know, like, I wish there was just like lobbies and I could just join a lobby and then just play whatever they want to play. You know, like it's you know it sucks for that sort of thing. That's why I thought the stadium stampede might fix that, where everybody would just go to that and then maybe we can all meet online or whatever and have fun. Do we know when that's getting released or was it just announced? They they just said they said coming soon last week, so there's no date for it. But oh, does it look cool? That's it for what I've been playing. So there, so there was like another, there was a direct today of sorts. Limited run showcase. I didn't have a chance to see it, so if you get give us the rundown, John. Yeah, so I, I the watched, limited rundown, if you will. I'll be very brief, very limited. So I, I watched it, but I skimmed through it. Really, I didn't actually sit and watch all. It was forty-seven minutes. Uh, I skimmed through it, just looking for things that I was interested in, and uh, I, I found a lot of them. There, it was a really good show. Uh, first, it started off with the Castlevania Advance Collection, which, you know, a lot of these are going to be well, things fi- that we've physical. heard about before, but these are all the physical editions coming out. However, there were a bunch of things that were like brand new announcements in this, where they were announcing the physical and the digital. Yep. And in one case, they announced one game that's just digital. So I guess Limited Run is doing that now, too. Yep. Uh, the Castlevania Advance Collection, you know, all your favorite Castlevania Advance games in one package so that's cool well, well i kind of uh, want that to be well, honest it's a uh, it, we talked about this when it came out on switch right. there's three great games and dracula x that's that's what you get from that uh from that game three three really good castlevanias and then that bad version of rondo of blood that came to super nintendo but i was able to beat it on that collection so there you go finally get to get through that game so they're doing a physical of rise of the triad ludicrous edition which i know people like that game a lot you like that you've played it yes you have me, it? me yes i like that game no it was actually I, I watched i watched about 10 minutes of this before we started because i wanted to try to see it but yeah no i've been excited rise of the triad i played it in high school you know back in the day when you had pc games they gave you like a disc somebody whatever you know and i remember playing it and i thought it was hilarious there was like a god mode where you became god god and you would just yawn all the time and just kill people by pointing at them it was hilarious you just like go through the thing and you're like, hur, 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 kill that guy. I thought the game was hilarious and I really enjoyed it. So I'm I'm really excited to play through it again. Another one relates to what we talked about last week. Um, uh, Kyoku Tiger Heli Tiger Heli Toplin Arcade Garage. It's a mouthful, but uh, it's uh, one of those shmups along the lines of what, what Andreas from uh, Bitway was talking about last week on our show. They did a collection of, of Toplin games and this is, this is uh, another Toplin game. So if you like shmups, this is for you coming out fall 2023. Now, this is the first one that I was excited about. They're doing a re-release of uh, Karateka, which is funny because it opened with a lot of people struggling to pronounce the, pronounce the name of that game. 
just as I just did. But it's this like, game, it's like karate. Yeah, it's supposed to be like karate ka, right? Or karate ka, like, yeah, like yeah, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, I was watching that, and yeah, that looks really, really interesting. But yeah, it could yeah, continue. especially interesting because uh, if you know about this game, you know that it was essentially the forerunner to Prince of Persia. But people love it and appreciate it on its on its own right for being something that advanced the art of video games way back when it came out in I think 1984. It just looked fluid and cinematic in a way that other games hadn't even started to look at that time and this is being done by none other than digital eclipse so they're making not just a re-release they're calling it an interactive documentary which i love i love that term i think that anybody who makes a re-release of an old game you should go at it with that mindset that you're making an interactive documentary yeah, if, Along you, lines if you of can the Criterion do collection. it, yeah, it's really cool. Have that right? extra, have those like extra what? videos, which I always love seeing. Love seeing bonus videos on games, so I'm, yeah. I'm all for that. I'm not the first to point this out, but you know, Digital Eclipse essentially what they do is like the Criterion collection. What Criterion collection does for movies, they put out not only the movie itself, but a bunch of things surrounding it to give it context. And uh, Digital Eclipse announced today that they're doing this for Karateka, which I'll continue to struggle to say the name. <laughs> and not only are they doing that, but they're also, this is the first of a series. They've put a new label on this game where it's called uh, the Gold Master Series. So this is number one of the Gold Master Series. And it leaves me wondering what's coming next. What other cool games, historically important, perhaps uh, un- unappreciated in this time, are going to get the Digital Eclipse treatment? I'm wondering, uh, I also thought since it's like limited run and Jeremy Parrish works on there now from Retronauts, I was mm-hmm. wondering how much involvement he had in it because they're very good at, at uh, you know, doing history for games. And also, we haven't mentioned yet, they basically set the set of this is that they go back in time to the very first E3 and tell everyone about the destruction oh, yeah, of E3, great. which is hilarious. And, and I love fantastic. that. Yeah. So it's basically them like superimposed like over like whatever a press conference would look like in 1995 or whenever the first E3 was. And they, and, and they basically say these things and the guy announcing it does it like very deadpan. Everybody's just kind of like, rrr. they have like the audience reaction to all of it. And it's, it's great. I love it. I, I love that. And this is huge. You know, Nintendo has influenced all this, but I love that we're in this like post direct time where we can see people just doing these really fun, like, you know, fully edited movies pretty much as their own game announcements. And I'm into that. It did remind me of something that like, uh, uh, the other company that does all the really funny ones. I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. The the one that had the squirrel in there. The last one. Devolver. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's like (laughs) long, long. (laughs) That last one was really good, but uh, it's like long lines of what they, they would do. And it's very funny. Very well done. I love the presentation of this whole thing. Yeah. They're pretty much Uh, making a movie with announcements in it. I like that. Next up, they announced that they're releasing every uh, soundtrack for the, the all the games on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Calabunga collection. They're putting each of those games' soundtracks out on vinyl, oh, cassette, God. and CD. Holy shit. There yeah. must be yeah. the, the vinyl manufacturing must not be like backed up anymore because I remember that being like when uh whenever adele released that album like i think it was mm-hmm. last year or the year before they were like i just saw a lot of discourse online about no adele you fucked it up and like <laughs> i still do like i'll go to this like walmart and i'll see adele albums like on clearance because oh, they finally got them and nobody wanted them when they got them right and now the pipes are flowing 
vinyl so that they maybe uh, like people return them they were like wait we can melt them back down <laughs> we can make them into ninja turtle soundtracks <laughs> i mean like there'd be some subtle notes of adele in there but the ninja turtles always sound pretty soulful. you can uh you can turn them into bowls if you ever went to reggie's uh in chicago in like the reggie's rock club area they have bowls made out of vinyls yeah so. i've tried that before <laughs> it was not successful why would you, so wait, these are all why, why would you waste a vinyl like that just keep it as a these are all coming out uh, starting in uh, now. Uh, there's one coming out in July through March of 2024. So they're doing like one every month or one every other month. Next, I up, wonder uh, if they're just doing pre-sale only, like manufacturing, like what they maybe so, sell. maybe so. That would make a lot of sense. But there's a big, there's a lot of crossover here for you know, people who like video game music, people who like Ninja Turtles, collect Ninja Turtle stuff. I think this is going to be a big seller for them. Oh yeah, and we, and we got the new the new movie coming out soon too. So uh, and all, and those That's soundtracks right. are really good. So I mean, yeah, I I mean, I'm sure they're not going to have a hard time selling those. Uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon Three. We don't have to go into that too much. Uh, another game which I hadn't heard of before. Maybe you guys have heard of it. It's called El Shaddai: Ascension of the Metatron. It's an action game, uh, anime style of mechs. And the, the 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 trailer that they showed was all in Japanese, and so looks like they're going for for real anime fans with this one now now i was trying yeah, to I, I, was tr- I was trying to figure out because i know of an el shaddai game but maybe it was a different one because i think it came out before this because this one came out yes 2011 this is a the h this is an hd remaster so that's this game that's the same game well, i'll tell well, you what i thought of immediately when i saw the title just from the discourse online the, the amy grant song i do Which not know that? any amy grant songs well amy grant covered it but it was originally a. Uh, but it is a Christian song that was like a radio hit on Christian radio back in the day. But El Shaddai literally means like a God Almighty or whatever. So mm. it's like fair, a fairly common term. But like, I just like El Shaddai. That reminds me of Amy Grant. And, and I remember uh, it. Also, uh, so you get to kill God in it, is what you're saying. Oh, that's what she had. Yeah. Okay. So you get to I was kill trying to God. think which, what was the Amy Grant song, but yeah, I remember that now. Uh, my mom was named crossover hits. No, th- I think this is the one that I'm thinking of because I remember there being an El Shaddai game. It's based on an anime. It was on PS3, yeah. and I remember it was really short, and there was a whole lot of discourse about that because you could beat it in like two hours or something like that, and people were all pissed about it. But apparently, it was really, really cool. Like the two hours that you did were like super intense. And I had a friend, uh, uh, Andre. Doesn't matter. Uh, he just listened to this. I had a friend at the at the two way that I would hang out with that was really excited about this game because he was big into the anime and I remember him like just being like, "Dude, it's so fucking cool that it's coming to a game." And that's why, probably partially, why I remember it as much as I do. But if it's not you know sixty dollars this time, then I'd like to try it because yeah, no, I heard it was really cool but really short. So I'm excited. So what is it? Is it like a story based game? It looked like an action, like an action game. An action game, yeah. From what, I mean, I remember reading the IGN review of it and it was. I think I just got my, because I bought a PS3 around like 2009, around when I first moved here. So it was in that, when I was in my PS3, you know, it was all into PS3 stuff. So I was really interested in it, but I didn't buy it because like I said, I heard it was short, but I've always wanted to play it. So it stayed in my mind. So I want to play it on this. It's going to be on Switch, right? Yeah, all all of these, I believe, were on Switch. I, I didn't notice any of them that weren't on Switch. It was a very Switch-focused uh, presentation. So the uh, next one up was Dungeons of Aether, which I don't rem- remember too much of, so it did not make an impression on me. But this is one that you guys will be interested in. Shantae Advance Risky Revolution. This was the... I played uh, that game. Uh, game Boy Advance... No, 
are you sure? Because this is the Shantae game that was never released before. It was developed in 2003 oh, maybe it was, for, the, oh. for the Game Boy Advance, but uh, it was never released because the original Game Boy Color game, as they say in this trailer, uh, did not sell well. And so when oh. they tried to bring this about on the on the GBA, it was a no-go. So they, they shelved it and uh, had always kept it in mind that they wanted to put it out at some time, and now is the time. So this is the first time this game has ever been released. So it's going to be like a 1.5 kind of scenario. Like I, I, was, 1.5 or? I was thinking of Risky's Revenge, which was released. So yeah, they made mention of that, too. So they, yeah. I've never played a Shantae game, but they said Risky's Revenge introduced a whole bunch of characters. Risky's the yeah. pirate, right? Yeah. Risky's the, the villain, yep. Yeah. And Risky's Revenge introduced a whole bunch of characters who, if you just played that game, like like it's like all of a sudden Shantae knows all these people and they said the reason for that was because we introduced all those characters in this game in risky revolution and so you're going to see the story of how they all came to 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 meet and you're going to see essentially what risky was getting revenge for in this one which you never got to see one other cool thing about this you know risky's prevenge it's prevenge yeah uh maybe it's just a revenge (laughs) there's never just venge uh, it, it includes link cable support, so they bothered to put link cable support in this <laughs> new GBA game. If it wasn't obscure enough, they were playing a GBA nice. physical game in 2023. That's got to be able to use your link, <laughs> link cable. Oh yeah, right, because they tried to do baseball at the MGC. Uh-huh. There's a I don't I'm I don't I'm just trying to find the name of it. I don't know exactly what it is, but we did skip one. There's this game that I was actually really intrigued by. I don't remember what mm-hmm. it's called, but it basically looks like oh no, there it is. It's um. Scarlet Symphony, it basically looks like a new Castlevania game uh, starring a female. Okay. And it looks incredible. It, it came out oh, it came out in the presentation right after Rise of the Triad. And I was, because there was the, the advanced collection, I saw that and I was like, whoa, that game looks badass. So, I mean, it looks like a Castlevania game and it plays really, really smoothly. So, I'm excited about cool. that one. I'm, I missed that one. Yeah, I guess I was skipping around. I thought I got them all. Uh, next up, Chicory, which we talked about in this show. They're doing a physical of that coming uh, we don't know when, said so to be determined. Uh, another game called Odin Cat's Paradise Collection, which to me looked like a Stardew type game. And you can pre-order that one now. Okay, this might, next one might be the one that I was most excited about on the whole show. It opens up, you know, like the presentation, as Trey said, was he goes back to E3 of 1995. And so they're talking about the CDI and talk about the the CDI. Oh, like, oh yeah. boy, what, what are I, we what are we talking about now? And and like CDI. As the as they keep talking more and more, I'm like, are, no, no way, are they no way they're going to release this? And then they kind of pull a 180 on you because they're actually doing a game that, that also was inspired. Was awesome. <laughs> that was inspired by the Zelda CDI game. Yeah, I saw that. It's that basically crazy. Al- it's amazing. It's like an alternate world take on the zelda cdi games it's called rz the jewel of faramore it includes all the shitty animation it even includes some of the voice cast from those zelda cdi games so that's coming out sometime this year and i am 100 percent buying that with absolute enthusiasm this looks amazing if you look up one game for this from this whole presentation go look look up rz the jewel of faramore on the on the Shantae uh, game, uh, Matt Boson, brother to Mark Boson from IGN, is on the video. Mm-hmm. So there yep. you go. Yeah, he's the creative director. At, uh, I remember Wayforward, he was yeah. a big WayForward guy. They would, yeah, Mark Boson would talk about him on Nintendo Voice Chat when it first started. 
with uh Next up, I'm also getting this one. It's Plumbers Don't Wear Ties, the definitive edition. One of the notoriously shitty uh, FMV games that was on the uh, CDI and made famous, I think, by the, the Angry Video Game Nerd episode. He did a good episode about that. But it includes like a ton of all new features. Basically, uh, you know, a bunch of people explaining how this absolute travesty, weird, strange thing came to be. I hope this is like a $15 game. I- I'm going to get it regardless. I feel like I hope, I hope it's 15 bucks. That's the magic number, number for me too. Have you guys seen anything about plumbers don't wear ties ever? I've heard. I'm you. interested in this. Like this is an old game, but they added a bunch of new stuff to it. Like where I heard, I heard right. you, I heard you talk about it, John, like through the slack or through the show or something. I thought it was already on switch actually to tell you the truth, but I didn't really remember what it was, but I, I thought I had heard you talk about it being I released it or being a Steam thing or, or something. But I, yeah. yeah. You just heard it was a steaming pile of something. Well, I I know that uh, a person I follow, Kelsey Lewin, who's mm. like part of the gaming store. Yeah. History Game, Game Preservation. Yeah. Right, right. She was like, uh, yeah, this is my first like, uh, <laughs> this is my first production credit in a game. So yeah, she's on the video. So yeah. I think they do an interview with her too on the, on the extras and all that stuff. But the game, the, the presentation, the trailer makes no bones about it it calls it one of the worst games of all time uh, you know with that in mind if you like you know things that are so bad they're good this is for you and it's for me <laughs> oh it's There's for you game for sure you, you do like them. those yep. things especially shitty fmv games i'm all you about love it. fmv mm-hmm. i do so next one was called uh this way madness lies which was looks like an rpg yet yeah, it didn't catch my attention but maybe you guys want to look into it and then uh midnight fight express that was the next one that i was pretty excited for this looks like a really cool beat em up i love beat em ups and the switch once again i mean like it was already the best beat em up system ever like three or four years ago but they just keep adding more and more and like this is like so much i i just uh it's the best beat em up system ever it keeps getting better one, one quick thing the uh this this way madness lies like really looks a lot mm. like um uh Oh, fuck, what's it called? Um, why can't why can't I remember? It's like one of the first. John, you owned it. It's a Game Boy Advance game. A Golden Sun. It looks like Golden Sun. Golden like Sun. A, yep. It looks a lot like Golden Sun, and that's cool. Like the way the the way the um the way the fights are and the way the people are positioned. It very much yeah reminds me a lot of Golden Sun. So that could be cool. That's all I want to say about that. Next up is Colossal Cave, which is uh, the Roberta Williams game that uh, came out a couple months ago on digital. They're doing a physical of that. I was excited for this game because it was a, a Roberta Williams game. She's a legend. It's gotten mediocre reviews, so hmm. I don't know. I'd probably pick this game up on, on digital at some point if it ever reaches a, an appealing price. She's been in a lot of the documentaries and stuff, right? Like, it's been yeah. a very, very old school developer. Yeah, she did the King's Quest series and a bunch of other things, Police Quest and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it looks so like another it, crusade. It, it looks a lot like um that one game that you liked, uh, What's the fucking FMV game that uh, everybody liked on PC? Um, Mist. Mist. Yeah, it reminds me of Mist. Yeah, yeah, it kind of looks like Mist because it has bit. like that first person uh, move around sort of looking FMV ish sort of thing. Is what I'm looking at the video right now. I just want to play Mist on the GameCom. You can play it on Switch. John has it. The Mist. The Mist. Whatever. <laughs> I do. Mist opportunity. <laughs> nice. I made that joke so many times that episode. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember there was a like there was like a game that made fun of it called Pissed, spelled with a Y. I, oh, I forgot about they that. They used wow. to sell it at no, Best Buy, like it like right by the 
Yeah, I was I was kind of wanted to play it, but I didn't want to pay like forty dollars for it because it probably. Terrible. I didn't know that was a real thing. Oh yeah, no, there was yeah, a game. Was run, like, come on, release there, pissed. There was a game called Pissed with a Y, and it was supposed to make fun of Miss. And I was like, oh, I don't have any money, I but I, I want to see what this List. game is. Yeah. <laughs> there's this game called List, and it was just a bunch of Schubert's like operas in a spreadsheet. Exciting, beautiful. <laughs> um. Another Crusade was another one, and that made no impression on me. It was another RPG. Ish. Look it up. Yeah, whatever. I mean, you know, I don't know. It looks fine. I, I don't know much about it, but it looks fine. Uh, next up is Rose and Camellia Collection, which is a visual novel, and it's based on the works of Jane Austen. That did not catch my interest. Oh, Jane uh, Austen. But the next one did. She's only a little racist. Well, you don't uh, like Jane Eyre? <laughs> yeah, I never really paired her with. Oh wait, no, that's games. that's Bronte. Or no, is that the different? Uh, what was? Is it Jane Austen? There, uh, no, I'm thinking. No, no, no. I, I'm thinking of. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, the Brontes. No, Jane Austen was, I think, Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So next up is uh, Gargoyles Remastered, which was spoken of uh, before, but they just confirmed that they're getting uh, doing a physical version, and it's coming out in fall 2023. Is that a Super Nintendo game? It's another Capcom Disney game. Okay, yeah, because I'm I'm excited. About, I'm excited about playing that, like for sure. I mean, that show was really good too. If you watched it, it actually had a lot of uh, actors from Star Trek in it. In uh, it? it was like a Shakespearean Star Trek show. I, I listened to the um, Talking Simpsons. Guys I really like Jason Alexander's it. voice as the gargoyle. But no, that, that I I always thought Gargoyles was that a was really back of Notre Dame. I know it was it was a really quality uh, it was also show. Disney, though. I'm just saying Gargos was really, really good in the 90s. Like, if you like uh, Shakespearean drama, and there's a ton of Star Trek Next Generation voices on it, it's an incredible show. So, you can watch it on Disney Plus if you have that. But no, I'm, I was excited about that game. Because I was like, is that You can also watch like, what is The that? Hunchback of Notre Dame on Disney Plus. You could. Available now. You don't have to wait for fall 2023. <laughs> you can hear the voice Hunchback of Jason Alexander's. I never watched I never watched that cartoon because, it, because it's... <laughs> Because it it was it, it wasn't as good as the Lon Chaney Senior version that came out in the 1920s. I'm sorry. The, the I agree. The, sorry, the fucking silent version is great. Watch that if you can find. I think it. Victor the, Hugo was spitting in his grave. The 1920s uh, came out. <laughs> the 1920s uh, Hunchback was so good. He thought he was lay miserable before. It was like it was like out? one of the first Netflix discs I ever got. Was like I'm getting the weird <laughs> shit. I'm going back to 1920. Fucking hunchback! I want to see more Lon Chaney Senior stuff. He he was the best fan. Do something of, fan, about best that. Best fan of the run. opera too. <laughs> that fan of the Upper Silent movie was was badass. Next up is a game called Double Shake. Looks cool. It's inspired by Mischief Makers, Klonoa, and Tomba. Looks like a pretty cool game. I, I'm a maybe on that one, I think. But this one is uh, absolutely for sure. Clock Tower. Yes, yeah. Clock Tower. Yeah. This is a legendary one of game. the best horror games. Yep. Well, I thought about this. I think the one of the the definitely like the first Halloween episode we ever did with you, John. You talked about Clock Tower, mm-hmm. uh, meaning a lot to you. And I've never played this game, so uh, I and I love horror games, so I'm excited to play it. It's very cool. It's a originally released on the Super Nintendo. It's a survival horror game, and it was like nothing else that I've I'd played on the Super Nintendo before. I only ever played it on an emulator. I've never played an authentic copy. I'm sure they cost a lot of money these days because it is a, 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 what do you call it? Like a hidden gem. It's it's something that people look at, look for, and now it's available on uh, uh, modern systems coming early 2024. Another interesting th- thing about this is the people involved, the companies involved. It's made by WayForward again, who they had pretty good presence on this show. 
Um, and also Capcom and Sunsoft are both listed as being involved. Now I looked into why both Capcom and Sunsoft would be involved. It turns out, I think Sunsoft was the original publisher and Capcom put out later games in the series. Like I think starting with clock tower three now. So I said, why, why would they both be listed on this, you know, clock tower, uh, re-release coming out? And I think maybe the reason is because it's the original game. But maybe there's like extra features and stuff that have something to do with the later games in the series. Maybe they like pull imagery from later games in the series for the extra features, or I don't know. But Capcom and Sunsoft are both involved in this re-release, which makes it all the more interesting. Coming early 2024. Can't wait to play this one again. Same. I want to try it. Interesting things are happening with your video today. Not not only are we showing your, your desktop, Jeremy, but we're all upside down. I know I did it on purpose. I, I oh. can't figure out how to get my camera to work. So I was like, what can I do to be silly? It was uh, Agatha Christie is, what, is who I was trying to say had had all those racist novels. There's a, oh, Agatha Christie, Die Lib for Murder. There's um there's a there's a novel called Nine Den Nine Dead Edinwards. Try to find oh, that damn. on the internet and not oh, find wow. other shit. So uh, yeah, Agatha Christie. That was have... that was the one that had a lot of a, a lot of a lot of words that I wouldn't wouldn't say even when I was a kid ever. So, you know, that sort of thing. Not Jane Austen. She was kind of known as an edge lord in her time. So <laughs> sure. I got the Chrissy. Come on. Something like that. Come on. Have we, she should never get a switch game. Not like Jane Austen. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, but there was, I mean, the only reason I know about that was, was that there were actual, uh, there were DS Agatha Christie games. Uh, it was like DS or three DS. So it was, they, so they were actual video games. And I remember, NBC uh, mentioning her possibly being racist, and I just randomly Googled her, and I found the name of that book that I just said, and I was like, "Wait, what?" I mean, possibly. They, I, mean, yeah. they, they, <laughs> I mean, I mean, they changed. I mean, they changed the name of it later, obviously, but it was like I was like, "Wait, wait, wait!" You called something that like, and it, and you got paid for it a lot. Oh, okay, um, but have we talked about the Jurassic Park game yet? That's on there. Sort of. We've mentioned it a couple months ago, but this is the first that Limited Run has has officially announced it i think it was rumored months ago but jurassic park i think it was announced but we didn't have a release date for it yet but i was just i'm, I'm very excited about this because i played the shit out of jurassic park on super nintendo i know there's a fridge of them somewhere that doesn't matter the game is awesome like i, I love the super nintendo game because cool. Did you know there's all a fridge of them well, well the reason that i love the super nintendo game is because there's basically it's basically a doom Jurassic Park game like there's 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 like a parts of it are there's yeah. the overworld where you walk around in 2D and then I, you go inside I, I, and I, I know I know I played a lot of it I own yeah. it uh, no yeah. but what I loved was the was the Doom stuff where you could walk around first person shooter sh- shoot shoot uh, dinosaurs and all that and it was pretty rad but I was watching the video right now and they were saying that there will be stuff added to the collection later so maybe we will have those Sega Genesis versions where you can Genesis play as, you as the T-Rex yeah, they've only announced that the NES, Game Boy, and Super Nintendo versions are in here, but you can't you can't have a Jurassic Park collection and not have the Genesis ones, which were really good. I think there was some on Sega CD as well. Um, there was like a an odd one that was almost like a almost FMV, I think, or or maybe it was like I think it was more like a mist, is my impression of it, where you like click around and move around the the Jurassic Park, uh, you know, cafeteria and all that stuff. <laughs> so yeah, cool Jurassic Park. Got to find Dennis collection. Nedry. I just remember that in the game. Got to find right. Dennis Nedry's ID card. Um, yeah, no, uh, 
that's what I remember seeing the commercials of the Genesis one being like, you can play as the T-Rex. And I never played that version, yeah, but I always game. wanted to. But I love that Super Nintendo one because I, I love the first shooter stuff in there. That's coming out on, uh, no, excuse me, the pre-order is opening on September 1st. Yeah. But, I don't know when it's coming out. Oh, I, oh, I, I thought. Jurassic Park's, Jurassic Park's 30th anniversary is this year, so it's got to come out before the end of the year. I, I thought the release date was the 1st of September, but yeah. But still, yeah, no, I'm excited about it. So another one that I was excited for was uh, Tomba. Tomba's coming out. That's This is a PlayStation platforming game, which is well-regarded. And another one that's expensive these days. So good on limited run for helping to bring down the prices of the uh, game collector market by releasing these things. Have you guys ever heard of Tomba? I've heard the name. It's like a caveman game, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, he's like a caveman. He's fighting pigs or something like that. I really don't know much about it other than that. I remember reading a Game Pro magazine and they gave it really good reviews. And uh, it looks like a uh, one of the better PlayStation platforming games. And to close it off, one more thing. They did a one more thing on the presentation. <laughs> and uh, it was the Gex Trilogy. I'm going to get, I'm get I'm getting that. I'm getting that. I want to play that game. I mean, Gex, there, there, were, some, there were some Gex games on 64, too. I remember playing. Uh, I remember renting Gex. It was whatever the one where Gex was basically like, you know, it was after Goldeneye. James but Bond. It was like the James yeah. Bond Gex one. I remember playing that on 64, so. Yeah, I think that's on here. Yeah, so I'm. Uh, yeah, no, I'm into that. I mean, yeah, I, I love I love playing stupid 64 games. So or 64 slash PlayStation, whatever. Uh, let's do it. I'm in. Yeah, so that was a really solid presentation. What do you guys think about it? I I, I wish I would have saw all of it. I thought it, I thought it looked. I mean, I watched like 10 minutes of it and I thought it was really cool. But you yeah, know, there's a lot of great announcements there, and we and you know we're kind of connected to it because we we've talked to Jeremy Parrish or sort of hung out with him at MGC. So. Yep, and he's a part of uh, limited run, so that, and I like their presentation how they went back in time to try to save E3. So yeah, good for I've them. I've spoken with I spoke with limited run at PRGC like way back in the day, well 2017, but yeah, they were just getting started. So I've actually talked to those folks like just like on a casual sense, like I didn't get an interview or whatever, but you know, it's just kind of cool to see this uh this rise in what we were scared would go away. Like there's gonna be physical games for a bit longer. That's nice to know. So thank you, Limited Run, and other companies. Yeah, but no, that I mean that that was a cool. Uh, it, it was a cool presentation, and I uh, hooray, you know, the directs. Everybody's doing directs. It, it was fun. It was fun to watch. I will watch the rest of it after we are done recording this, which might be soon. Is there anything else that you want to say as far as? Uh, yeah, this is a handful. This is like three or so news items that I, I think are worth mentioning. We can breeze through them news and news 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 don't snooze or you miss the news one is there is a uh there was a tsa agent who saw a prototype of oh yeah. this, is, this is a rumor okay a TSA, yeah. TSA agent saw a prototype of the switch 2's controller and it features dials on the, sh- on the shoulders well so, so so the story is right that somebody basically x-rayed a a piece of luggage and they were like oh that's weird mm-hmm. i need to look at it. and they're like well let's look at it in private and then, yeah, then yep. there was a controller that had dials by the LNR's LNR buttons, right? And then they found out that, yes. that they found out that it it was it, it wasn't true. In fact, that that was your uncle that worked at Nintendo or whatever. And it was like, uh, oh, yeah, this yeah. person works at Nintendo, so that's what this is. It, it's weird. I had just I had just heard this on a podcast. I think it must have been like Axe yeah. Blood God or something. But I saw that right. on there. So and the, I found the main it reason intriguing why... by the whole TSA thing. But but who leaked right. it? Was the person that X-rayed it? Like, where did it? Who I let suppose it out? so, but yeah. So the reason that the person felt the incident was notable was because the 
the man who was traveling with the case had business cards, which were from uh, Nintendo's R and D department. Yeah, supposedly. So, supposedly, this Alle- is what, allegedly. What they say. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, from what I've heard, it's. I mean, it could just be like development kits because I've heard that there's dev kits out possibly for Switch too. So, right. They also said that that the they they saw the system. Which I don't know how much this person knows about game development, but they they said it was the system. Other people uh, have pointed out that perhaps this is a dev kit, which the controller would look, you know, probably ac- accurate to the final product, but the dev kit itself would not would be larger and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I this sounds kind of credible to me. So I, I don't know as as a maybe for me. <laughs> you, you, you're gonna you're gonna buy that dialed controller uh you might buy it when it comes yep. out <laughs> yep <laughs> i'm really excited for this one this was announced that uh taito is releasing a laser disc game collection so we're getting three laser disc games from taito uh which includes which includes time gal hd remaster space battleship yamato HD remaster and Revenge of the Ninja HD remaster. So cool! I love FMV games. Bring it on! I've said it before. I think we should have just an FMV collection. I want all those shitty Sega CD games in one beautiful stinking package. FMV CD, please. And then Myth Force got a release date. Remember that one that looks like a Saturday morning cartoon? Yeah, I thought that Uh, game looked really cool. Exactly like a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, and it's a first-person shooter. I like those. It comes out on uh, September 12th. Cool. I don't know how I'm going to remember that. <laughs> it's the day after uh, that one day. That's important. You don't have it highlighted, but we can just talk about it for a second. Uh, Homelander in Mortal Kombat 1, that would be fun. Because Homelander had some crazy fatalities in uh, in the boys' season 3. Was it? Three? Oh, that would be awesome. Where you could just basically like shoot your eyeball lasers into somebody else's eyeball lasers and destroy them. Uh, they, mm-hmm. He's very fitting for a Mortal Kombat game. Also, I've heard uh, what was it? I just Kevin Smith's podcast just said it the other night that uh, that the boys are in Call of Duty. Also, the boys characters, so uh, they're getting boys around. Duty. Getting getting around for that season four that'll come out someday. Whenever the writer strike stops happening, whoever the one guy is that plays the well, he was originally the main character. I'm not sure if they still consider that, but Carl Jack, Urban, whoever's name. Yeah. Oh no! Wait, no. He's got a whole like he's got like a whole series like he's doing voice on some new animated series or something. I think you're talking. Are you talking about um Melanie, plays- Melanie Griffiths kid? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he's also like got Simon Pegg as his dad, even though no Dennis. Dennis oh, 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 in the show, yeah, Jack Jack yes. Quaid, Jack Quaid. Yeah, yeah. but Simon well, Pegg plays his dad, and it's like well, Simon this, Simon this Pegg is his dad too. because in the comic book the main character was modeled after Simon Pegg, but by the time they got to doing gotcha. the show, Simon Pegg was too old. So that's why he's his dad. But if you read the comic book, he's obviously Shaun of the dead. Like that's what they were going for a hundred percent. So yeah, but no, Jack Quaid is also one of the main characters in uh star Trek lower decks, which is like one of the best new star Trek shows there is. So check that out. But yeah, we got a, uh, we got, what about, what about that last of us Emmy nomination? That's kind of cool. Or, oh, yeah, uh, both of them got nominated. Not Emmy, but what was it? Uh, what it was Emmys. Oh, it is Emmys. It was yeah, Emmys. That's I, a TV one. Yeah, both uh, uh, Nick Offerman and uh, what's Murray Bartlett. Murray Bartlett. Yeah, they got nominated for best actor for that episode. They they should, should just nominate that episode for just like the best episode of TV ever. It's a damn of all good time. episode. It's John and I agree <laughs> with your like critique of like who mm-hmm. deserved it more, but I think Murray just like 
is also super authentic to like I don't know. I also was kind of getting off on a high of seeing him in a that other show. What's the other show that I watched with him? The White Lotus. White Lotus, yes. Yep. Yeah, I think they they're both uh, equally deserving. I think Nick Offerman's going to get it. And his diff- had, his difference between those two, yeah, was also on my mind. But yes, no, I know like uh, Nick Offerman definitely had the meteor role, of course. They gave it to the star, of course. Just give it best TV episode of all time because I think that's was what it was. Man, when it was they incredible. Up, oh god. It was incredible. It was so funny. The fact good. that you can just like just take a plate and just turn it a little bit and then everybody's crying, like it's come on. That was an incredible episode. So I'm glad you finally so you saw Last of Us. So so good. The show. It's really good. Oh, you did watch through it, John? Uh, I watched through episode four. What? So you watched most of us. You didn't watch the whole yeah. thing? Oh my god, it's so good no, I didn't. from the beginning to the end. <laughs> you watched most of us. You watched part of us. <laughs> <laughs> part of us. Yeah. Speaking of most of us, we're part almost at us. three hours. So uh gong, let's let's keep going. Let's get out of here. Let's be done. Let's here. go where the wind goes and be gone. Yes. Uh thanks everybody for listening to this episode. Episode three hundred and seventy nine. And thanks again, Greg, for coming on and talking about full quiet. That was a lot of fun. And uh if you're still listening. And you're not. You haven't left us to play Pull Quiet. Go buy it now and play it. It's a, it's a great game. I think it's, I think it's very cool. Remember, Check quiet and buy it rhyme. Yes, buy it. buy buy it. Full Quiet. Fully. Yeah. And if you wanna if you wanna hear more of us, uh, go to Patreon.com/slash Nintendo Main Podcast. And uh, we just did an episode about our our uh, most American games for the Fourth of July. We posted that plus. Woo! Extra music, uh, WRT radios and stuff like that. And you can see videos of us earlier also, if you want to, you know, on that stuff. So, and if you want to see the $5 level, you, there's a week free, you can get a, you can get a trial for a week and you could just watch everything and just put it all together and all that for seven days. You listen to all of my WRT radio stuff and it'd be fun. Check that out. And also, you can find me on twitch.tv slash Podcast every Monday night at 1130. I'll be streaming stuff on there. I was thinking about maybe doing Pikmin 3, but I'll probably end up doing AEW again. Because I want to get the I want to get the Discord on there. And I, I know I got it all on the computer, so I, I will have their voices on there, and it'll be fun. And also, you can find us at youtube.com slash Podcast. I've been posting all the stuff from the streams on there. So if you, so if you miss the stream, you can check it out there and watch... Uh, it's mostly just me be me playing AW Fight Forever, but you can see it there and see what you think of it. Uh, also, you can find Jeremy and I on Twitter at jmaxstack and at nintendo underscore domain on there. And uh, yeah, guess what else? You can find me on Threads at jmaxstack. But oh, you're on Threads. In my opinion, <laughs> in my opinion it's just another dumpster fire. Uh, well, it's like Facebook once removed, right? Uh, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's Facebook twice removed. I mean, I have a bad enough like time Twitter's trying to version like... of Facebook. I have a bad enough time trying to like uh, just do social media in general. It really is. It's really like a uh, an issue of like, God damn it, I, w- I got to get off Twitter. But and everybody seems like they're like, they're going to head over to threads. And like a lot of people that already have Instagram, they like to use Instagram or just like switch it over to threads. So that dude had the right idea or that being, I should say, whatever, whatever Zuck is. But. Yeah, um, I don't know. I'm on threads as JMAX stack. So yeah, go over there. And if enough people like actually want to be friends with me, maybe I'll post for the first time. <laughs> just just put all your stuff from Twitter on there. Uh, the only reason, I mean, I stay on Twitter because that's where I get all the news. I have a list of all of the Nintendo-based uh, people who post on there, and I find a lot of shit on there. So 
That's, you know, just because it's been huge for video game writers, whatever, that sort of thing. I'm just doing my best to follow the rats as they leave the ship and see what, what, what <laughs> they're going to. Sure. And, and right now, Threads is, seems to be the hottest item other than Blue Sky, which to me still sounds like a, an organic soda. It's just that song that's in every movie ever, which if you want to see that song uh, in the Mario movie. Re- repetitively, <laughs> you can watch it on the Mario movie for Peacock, the cheapest streaming service of all time for, f- for $5 a month. I maybe I'll watch it to fall asleep or something. I'll put it on again. Anyway, that's been our episode. We've been your hosts. I'm Trey Johnson. Jerry Mikowski. John Litter. And thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next time. See, 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 see ya. Peace. And, and the cartridge, uh, sorry, there's like, we should probably wrap this up soon. Cause there's like a, tor- <laughs> there's like a tornado, like in our neighborhood, like right now, apparently has touched down <laughs> in Logan square in Chicago. So my phone is freaking out. Tell even, the tornado to wait till you move out. Even, you <laughs> even when we're on, I was like, we gotta, we gotta that's finish. not how you get it on a podcast tornado. You should just ask. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we could, let me at least finish the, finish the interview. There is no way. I'm playing video games like some weirdo virgin weeboo nerd. Hey, hey, listen. You're in the game. Hey, and on top of that, your stats, they're pretty good. How good? Like, really, really good.